On this podcast, we discuss real-life experiences with teens and adults right here in Santa Barbara. The knowledge we gain and share from these talks are an aim to help young men and women build a solid foundation of confidence. In this episode, I sit and talk with Gilbert Boynton, who I first met in high school. Gil started training martial arts at a young age. Growing up, he was consistently picked on by his older brother and his brother's friends. He was a solid athlete, and after 9-11, he went to war in Iraq. He served two combat tours, then went back as a security contractor. Since Gil's been back, he focuses on his number one priority, his family. I hope you find as much value as I did from our conversation. Send me a message on Instagram highlighting your favorite takeaway. Thanks in advance. Now, to our conversation. The opinions that you have and, and the, the thirst for knowledge that you have, you said that's, that's gone back as far as you can remember? No, no. Growing up, I, 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 have, uh, I always did enough to, to get, like I said, I never read a book in my life. But I would get A's on book reports because I'd read the back of it and just put the pieces put together. the pieces together yeah. and, and I, I was doing good in English. But no, I wasn't a good. Um, I had trouble in in school, like probably learning disability back then. They didn't study for it in elementary, even. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. They wanted to hold me back in like third grade because I just I couldn't retain like mm-hmm. other kids, like the inf- the information was too like was coming too much too fast, and I just wouldn't retain it. So, what elementary school did you go to? Franklin. And, and then put it this way. In high school, I had to do... I, mean, I knew I had to do all the homework, even like extra credit projects, because I knew I was going to fail the test. Like, I, I'd fail every single test. And you could, you already knew that, so you were already compensating it in other areas? Yep. And, and what about your social life? In, in elementary school, as far back as elementary, because it's just like any other kid. When you don't want to, you don't want people to think you're stupid, or you, you know what I mean. Like uh-huh. you're gonna compensate by being the class clown, or you're gonna compensate by being. You're not gonna pick on me or make fun of me, so you turn into the aggressor. You know what I mean. Yeah. But mostly, I was mostly a class clown. Kick me out of class because I'm being disruptive or making jokes and humor and all that other yeah. stuff. But trying to be the cool kid because you, you try to be the cool kid when you're not the smart kid because you figure you're going to get attention one way or the other and it's either for not being smart or it could be for being the, the funny well you don't want to be laughed at yeah. so you want to be you want them to laugh with you not at you <laughs> yeah no it makes sense <laughs> yeah so, so it was it was it was tough because like i said the parent um like learning disability and i'm pretty sure i did because like i said every time i open a book right i'd get tired fall asleep and it didn't matter. Like, I'd be full of energy, blah, blah, blah. But once I started the first sentence, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Just like driving. Yeah. I had the same thing. If I know it's long distance, I get in the car, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Already nodding off. But, um, no, I had trouble retaining information. That's why in the when I went to the military, it was like we had to do um, tests. Mm-hmm. And we had a the test, we had to, like, know everything verbatim. So we had to memorize everything for like word for word for our test. Yeah. So everybody when everybody's asleep, I'm up at I'm I'm up 
just writing it over and over and over and over again. I had to write a sentence over and over until I could memorize it. So it's not like you were ever learning. You just did your best to memorize? Well, compensate. Like like I said, I would just compensate for... I would say I was... Uh, I don't know. Because, like I said, I've, I've been able to... I wasn't a good speller. I would suck at math. Um, but I got a 3.0. I mean, I, I was a scholar athlete and... Uh, my senior year mm-hmm. because like I said when I would make sure that I did my homework <laughs> when I'd go to parties come home make sure I did my homework I just or do the uh, extra project papers go to summer school when I didn't have to but I was yeah, already there for football because by the time my senior year I only had four classes and they're all electives I was already graduated had all my units so you had a work ethic but, about you you had a solid work ethic pretty, yeah. pretty much but that was because I was playing football too and uh, to be eligible, I mean, I really the only reason why I went to school was to play football. That was about it. But that's cool. You had that motivation, one way or the other. Something was motivating you to go. I, I think I got that when I was uh, young, it, like because at six years old, I I wanted to do uh, martial arts. I wanted to do karate at six, and uh, I went to I was at my aunt's house and you know watch Karate Kid. Oh, first, yeah. first movie yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm stuck I'm like alright now I'm ready so she took me to a studio in Carp and then uh, the instructor after the first lesson he was like he's too too young too immature bring him back in a couple of years if he's still interested uh-huh. then we'll see we'll see then and I was like I didn't understand it cause I was like what do you mean I wanna, yeah, I wanna, I wanna kick wanna, and punch yeah, him I just and wanna I train, yeah. but I was doing things that when he was trying to you know what I mean yeah. I was like no I'm gonna kick this back when everybody's doing that, yeah, so when he's trying to put I, on a lesson, and I didn't comprehend that, but I, I saw so I was discouraged, disappointed, and I didn't understand it, and it was crazy because like a year later, seven, my uh, my older cousin, her boyfriend, was had, was in martial arts down in Santa Barbara, and she invited me. She's like, "You want to go to this? Their his school's doing a demonstration at the park." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> like I'm all I'm all about karate right now, so I go and then that's when I she introduces me to his instructor, and uh, he was a bus driver, and uh, full time like said he worked for the city uh, bus, and he didn't have a studio, so it was affordable like basically yeah. it was like forty bucks a month, but I was learning my first training sessions were in front of his house on on the driveway but it was asphalt like that loose asphalt yeah and it was just one-on-one training yeah, yeah. well I was, it started off with just me uh in the beginning well me he had like four or five guys but they would come and go here and there but i was there every day i mean but the first couple of days like i said the asphalt when you're pivoting yep. on, your, on your foot man i was walking in the car <laughs> with blisters like they were huge it was crazy and they had you barefoot on it yeah. yeah, yeah, pivoting man. Yeah. He was a he was like a big intimidating like black black instructor. He was mm-hmm. a black dude, and he had a commanding voice and all that. Well, every every teacher I ever had, every instructor I ever had, they were always the work like the mean ones, mm-hmm. like the the no nonsense. Maybe that's what helped was the no nonsense teachers and instructors I always had. Never got a cool one, but uh, and this martial art was karate, tungsudo. And so was that in cart. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to that in a minute. Yeah. But uh, 
but at seven, I, I said, I already made up my mind. I was like, I'm going to do it as long as it takes to get black belt. I mean, I want to reach black belt, so whatever, however long that takes. But that's what I did from from seven, from seven to junior high. But that was like every day, seven days a week. I was going to tournaments. I was, I mean, but we started off at his driveway and then we would we were picking up more kids like you were getting more kids and then um we would go to different studios and challenge the other students so we would have training time yeah. <laughs> so we would have somewhere to train but we would challenge other studios until uh the west side boys club gave him permit because he knew the the head director yeah and um he gave him permission to to use the boys club like use a section in the boys club at the west side boys club back then and uh so that's where we stayed for a long time but um at like nine nine years old is when i started training like i was help teaching because i was like a red belt by then and uh i had every every single uh student of mine that i was training they were all older um east siders Mm -hmm. Like all the older Eastsiders, I I didn't know that at the time, but it was like, um, it was Emilio, it was Arsenio, it was uh, Michael, it was like all these guys who started the crazies basically yeah. back then. Nicole, um, but I was training them, and at the Westside Boys Club, and a red belt is how many belts over a white belt? Uh, it was red. I mean, it was white, orange, green, blue, with stripes in between. Uh-huh. And then red, and then black. Okay. And Tom Sudo. And he, I think he added the yellow and the purple later. But for but he took away the stripes. Because at Blue Belt, you had to have like four stripes before you can even. And I failed my first my first test. I never got anything right the first time. But and did you fall in love with it? Or you just had made that commitment? So you I was, were sticking to it? I, I liked it. I, 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 I just liked the... The competition, the the like, training, just training. Yeah. I mean, cause I was, I don't know. That was my first passion. I just like cause movies and stuff. Like I was impressionable by movies, but I mean, being picked on and bullied a lot, it gave me a sense of confidence. Like that. When did when did the picking and bullying start? Cause I know you said in elementary you were well, more no, a class my, clown. Well, yeah, but my brother was three years older. I never got bullied at school. Okay. It was always at home uh-huh. <laughs> by my brother and his friends. Cause and and one one of his friends for some reason would all every day was always something you know what I mean like he'd Just, be over the house you come home from school. yeah he was his, he he lived he lived on at the corner but I mean he was my brother's best friend and he was like a lot bigger like six already six foot in sixth grade but I mean my brother he couldn't do nothing to my brother so it was kind of like that okay well I'm gonna pick on this the dude next one yeah yeah. And he was a lot bigger, so it was kind of like, and I had a big mouth. I didn't. I mean, it was one of those things where I, I just that little brother that just yeah gonna say what I want. So half of it was, I would say, antagonized maybe. But my brother told me one day, best advice ever. Well, you got two options, bro, because you got a big mouth. <laughs> you either learn to fight and back what you say up, or you just. Stop talking. So well, that's not gonna happen. 
Yeah. <laughs> I said, I better learn how to fight. Yeah, so you, you yeah. felt you only had one option. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. And and I just started, like like I said, you go to that that moment. And, but, I mean, I was always around, like I said, living up, growing up on the east side. I had my family was embedded in it, my, my mom's side. Mm-hmm. But we weren't really, I wasn't close. My brother was close because he was older. But, I mean, all... All her side were all the, the the gang members and the in and out of prison and aunts uncles. She was a she's the oldest of nine. So you've seen it growing up. It was always around. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It was it was it was definitely around uh, friends. That's because like I said, it was having a dad and 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 being heavily influenced on a dad helped because he he was that that other. Other male. Well, that yeah. that voice, that that voice of reason. It was like, why do you want to be a follower? You know what I mean? Like, join a gang to be a follower. Like, say things like that. You know, and stand yeah. on your own two feet, and, and like basically encouraging that. But um, but it's hard because when all your friends are in it, because I mean, it came to this point where uh, we went to a ditch party at sixth <laughs> sixth grade. Something I was with Carl, and. Uh, that's when he got jumped. They they jumped him in, but they wanted to jump me in. Before not him, me, yeah. and um, I was like, nah, because if he once he jumped me in, my dad's gonna jump me out. So it was one of those like, You're the back of my head. Yeah. It was like, nah, this is something my dad just it's a no go, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I'm down, and that's and that's the thing though. It was like. I had a tough time. Um, what made you... Was it just because it was friends that made you enticed to even think about that? Because you're all around. It's family. and it, I mean, you're surrounded by by that peer pressure as far as who's cool, who's mm-hmm. tough, who's this and that. And and like I said, it was ne- something... I've just never felt that pressure. Like I didn't, I didn't need that uh, reassurance ever. But I never... Uh, thought I was above it. That was the whole thing. It was like, I understood the streets and and I respected it for what it was at all mm-hmm. times, whether I was a gangster or not. But I believe that I had, um, I don't know. It was just one of those things where it was just like, I didn't need that, that, that reassurance as far as I was around it. I was around them. I respected certain ones, certain ones I didn't just like anybody else but yeah. I didn't want to be bounded by uh, even with my own friends growing up I was never going to be bounded by some be, by something that's that I don't believe in you know what I mean yeah. like like I treated everybody the same everybody was going to be treated the same no matter who you were no matter how close I was to you I, I never got that close to anybody really because I didn't want uh, to, to ever hesitate to stand on like to to not react or stand on my own too. Like nobody, nobody, uh, nobody dances, makes me dance to their tune. You know what I mean? It was like, but, I, and I didn't want to be held accountable for other people's actions. Well, if they're, if they're sh- bullshitting, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, I didn't grow up in a church and I didn't grow up knowing a whole lot of things, but I, to this day, thank, thanks dad. Three, four rules. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, and don't fuck your friends over. 
and that was and that those are things that I took to heart and had and wanted to live up to as far as if I do that at least that mm-hmm. then we'll see where I'm I'm at at the end of that tunnel if I can if I can stay on like keep those in mind right. always no matter where I went where who I was around and I've been around more like I said been around I've been <laughs> A backyard gangster party to uh, sitting with a bunch of uh, prime ministers in Iraq. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So, but even back then, no matter what groups you were with, you had, you had what meant more to you was to be somebody that your dad could be proud of, rather mm-hmm. than it, it was wanted. No, it was mm-hmm. wanted to to live up to uh, to because. See, we, to me, I wanted to live by what I thought. So if I said, I don't want to be a liar, you know how hard that is? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to keep, to want to live, to, to keep that in mind all the time. Like, I'm not going to bullshit. I'm not going to lie. I don't care how bad it is or what the consequences. And to constantly try to do that the best you can. You know what I mean? But you just want to do it because... Well, you say that's who you are. You tell people you're 100. You tell people, like, certain... Like, I, I just didn't like the... um the Because when you're growing up, when you have friends that say one thing, and then do they another. turn around and do another, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to say, I'll do something and not follow through with it. So I was constantly wanting to prove that I'm not... I'm the opposite. I'm that... I'm who I say I am, mm-hmm. basically. And I want to live up to that, like... And that was just a challenge for myself, like because it's like you can say you're not afraid of heights, but once you get over that cliff, it's time to prove it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Once yeah. you have, are you gonna look over yeah. or? So it was always, and like I said, I was everything was I was afraid of everything. The dark growing up, I was afraid of the dark. I was shit, my own shadow. I I wouldn't stay the night at friends people's houses. I didn't, you know what I mean? I just I was a mama's boy basically. Mm-hmm. Like I was very sheltered myself. <laughs> But um, I was afraid of a lot of things, and uh, I wanted to overcome those things, and that that was just within myself, my internal thoughts, because a lot of things that I had questions and a lot of insecurities that yeah. I wanted to overcome myself, not not uh, because when somebody when you allow somebody to to praise you and boost you up and, and tell you how great you are, and you feed into it. There, it's easily can be taken away from me. Like you're easy to fall to that when somebody takes it away from me. When they say, "Ah, oh, you're not that tight," or they say, oh, "Actually, you're a piece of shit." Now you're like, "Oh wait." Yeah, because you believed him saying all the other stuff. So, but right, you leave yourself so, open to so believe I, in the negative. So I never wanted anybody to to build me up. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want nobody to. I didn't need. A, I didn't want that, which is hard because you want. People want um, reassurance, or people want that uh, that uh, what is it called acknowledgement? Somebody to tell them that they're improving, or you know what I mean? Yeah. And I never looked for that. Never want. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't do things for that. Does to, that cause you to ever have trouble making friends? No. 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 I had. I hung out with a lot of different groups, but that's the thing. I I had different groups as far as. If, um. See, I had the problem where people thought I was probably disloyal because I, if I'm, 
the whole thing if, if he has a problem with him but I'm supposed to be your friend so now I can't hang out with them mm-hmm. and it wasn't to me it was like no you have the problem with him and actually you're the one that started it but I'm not even hanging out with him I'm hanging out with him so I don't care <laughs> yeah. as far as I'm gonna be where I'm at and whether you if you think that I'm cause like I said there's there's things that you try to live up to as far as Okay, I'm not going to be that one that talks about people that aren't around. If they're not here, we're not talking about them. I'm going to be that guy. If I have nothing to, if I don't have nothing to bring to the table as far as conversation, I'm not going to make shit up. I'm not going to be that guy to say I did things that I didn't do or claim things that aren't true. And that's hard because you see that all the time. People boasting and, and bragging and I'm not doing that. Nope. Mm-hmm. I, I like my girlfriend and I'm not cheating on her and I'm not... No, I like her. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to act like she's nothing or I'm not, I, would, I didn't do that. Or let people make fun of her and go along with it. Like, no. Or if my friend's not here, you're not making fun of him. I don't care if he do the same for me. That's and, just and who you're, I am. And you're this, all this, because a lot of that is, is confidence and self-belief, at least from what I see right, I, here. But where did that, where exactly did that come from? Like, how did you get that? Uh, especially at such a young age. I think um, I think martial arts played a lot because, like I said, I was self motivated, and, and and when you're when you're picked on and you're bullied, you kind of have to, like I said, you either believe what they're telling you, or you say no. I'm I know I'm this. I'm better than that. Or I'm so you have to build yourself up because you're constantly getting knocked down or getting getting. Uh, wrong information, negative information. If you believe it, if you believe in the negativity, and I, I refuse to, even though it was hard, I, and I'm sure every kid goes through that. I mean, you don't want to be the the slow kid. You don't want to be the uh, the dummy. You don't want to be the um, the kid who can't fight or, or afraid to fight or you know you uh, or no girl you can't get a date or you know what I mean. Yeah. No girl's gonna like you, and you have stupid clothes and. And you say a lot of the bullying, well, the bullying did happen from your brother and from his friends. Yeah. So how, I mean, how traumatic was that to know that your place that's supposed to be your, your safe zone home and your family is actually the one who's, you know, I didn't, under, I didn't understand it. Cause at the same time it was like, I was every, I went to every game. I went to hit when he played football, I was at every game. When he was practicing, I went to every practice. I got him into martial arts. I, I encouraged him to get into martial arts. He became a black belt. Um, I never let anybody talk bad about him. I never talked bad about him, no matter how how much I disliked him or if we were fighting or whatever. It was like that never, I never brought that to anybody. Um, I don't, because it wasn't what he was. And I'm going to be who he says he is, but I'm going to be that guy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the one who, who says one thing and does another or acts like I'm going to do something and not do it. No, I'm going to do it. Or if I say I have a problem with that person, I'm going to go handle that. Mm-hmm. Because as a, when I, when we were younger, I was the, I was the, <laughs> the easily influenced because like I said, he was three years older. So it was like, Hey, you're faster smaller, darker, they won't see you, so you go you go sneak and go get the beer. 
or you go get that for us. So I was feeling like, oh, I'm needed. I'm mm-hmm. part of the mission. And once you realize, wait a minute, I'm the only one going on these missions. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Of like, you don't go on any of these missions. No. Like, no, I'm tight. You're not tight. <laughs> like, why don't you go do it? Because, you know what I mean? It's right. like one of those things where it's like, no, I'm not afraid to go do that shit. I do it all the time. But you're thinking, but once you realize you're not doing none of it, but you're acting like you're, like you have some type of authority. <laughs> like yeah. I have to listen to you all the time and right? I'd be defiant like that. And and I I think the biggest problem was that I wouldn't let him be dishonest, I guess. Because if he's full of shit and he's making shit up, I would always call him out on it. I'm pretty sure he didn't like that. And did you know that it, that, well, I wouldn't say did you know, but... Did you think it was common that brothers would treat their younger brothers like that? Like, that's just the way I think it when, was? You, when you're at the time, you don't realize, you just think that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? Because like at one point when I became, like when I detached myself from them and I didn't, I wasn't afraid of them, I didn't need them. And I basically, um, I, I gained his respect in that sense as far as, you know, I'm not afraid and you know. It's going to be a fight, not just you beating me up anymore. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I I was able to just be myself. Like as far as you're not like I got to a point where it was like, I'm doing my own thing. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about you. You know what I mean? Like, And, and when, we, when we say like picking and bullying, are we talking like beating, a punch beating, to the shoulder, no, 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 a Charlie no, horse? No, I was but, crying every day. I was getting beat up by his friend, by his his best friend. But he would beat me up every day. Every day was a beat up, like just like a full on like getting pummeled, and it was there was only like, and it was every day, and uh, if it wasn't him, then it was my brother, one or the other. But uh, that's why I I I'm not filtered now, like I've never been filtered because I've gone, I, okay, weather the storm, I'm still talking. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen, you've seen what can come from opening your mouth and you ain't afraid of it. Yeah, because you were going to get it anyway. So you're like, well, I'm going to say what I... Well, I'm going to speak my piece because you're going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. And but, we were talking earlier, you had said it even got to the point where you had your collarbone broken. Yeah, that was that was like playing football with him and his, his other six-foot friend. I don't know if you know Vince Hernandez. Uh, I don't But he was so. a big old, big old uh-huh. lineman for the Dons. But yeah, they broke my collarbone once. And then, uh, then him and my other, my older cousin broke my collarbone playing football. Mm-hmm. But I was, it was the give the little guy the ball and let him try to jump over the top, and we're gonna go high, go low. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, pretty much setting you up. But I think yeah. it was just one of those things where I mean, it was a different era, and I don't blame him for not knowing, because at the same time I can look back and say. There wasn't one time that he ever left me. Like, when I needed him, he was there. So I had to give... That's why when I go back and reflect, it was like... When I needed and needed him, he was there. Mm-hmm. He never left me unstuck. And regardless of, of just the things that he's had to go through. Because everybody has their own perception of what they go through in life. And I had to understand that. And whether he gets it or not... I'm reminding them and I'm helping them get see that because he has kids. And what helped me realize that he learned was because he teaches his kids the opposite of how he treated you. And he remind and he repeat and he actually lets them know like 
no, this is how I was a bad brother and I did this and I did that. I don't want, and you know what I mean? He gives them those talks and I've seen it. But when I see him doing the steps and doing the different things that he didn't do as an older brother, I realized he did learn from, from his mistakes. Yes. So that's all I need. I respect that. And because we all go through our own um, challenges. We go through... And like I said, I, I even tell my mom, it's like, yeah, there was bad times, but I also had some good times. I mean, I became a black belt at 10 years old. I was the youngest black belt in the, in the in my um, school that I ever, in Tong Sudo. And, and uh, the, inst- the master instructor was the, in- the first instructor that told me to come back two, two years later. He was the one that gave me my test because he was my instructor's instructor. instructor yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was his master? Yeah. yeah. So when I when I went up there to hand him the paper and because they were gonna grade and stuff like that, he's like, familiar. Yeah, try to try to sign up with you like a couple <laughs> years ago, yeah. but now I mean, but I mean I had some. It was fun. We had local tournaments. Went to Vegas a lot of times, like on the circuit. Um, and in those tournaments, it's full contact. Just got oh, yeah. headgear in, and, in, in, in Ventura. Uh-huh. Yeah, they put on the headgear, but you get to kick in the face and it was everything. And because they were uh, taekwondo, so they did a lot of they allowed it because they had the the guard uh-huh. where so you were allowed to punch and kick in the face, especially if you're a black belt. But but we go there every year, and yeah, was, and like I said, I I, I did a did a lot. As far as from, but I was dedicated to that because I didn't I didn't have a childhood. I didn't go to camps. I didn't I didn't stay the night at friends' houses because I was practicing the next day, and and I practiced almost midnight, two o'clock sometimes, working on my forms, working on my sparring. But I was dedicated to it as uh, like that bad mm-hmm. as far as I wanted to be mm-hmm. Bruce Lee one day. That's right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. it helped me with with everything that I I took because what I took from karate when I started playing football in junior high. It, it helped me a lot as far as my confidence, my stance, my center of gravity, and the. So in junior high, you're already a black belt. Yeah, I I, yeah. I stopped doing karate uh, in seventh grade because I started playing. That's when I started playing football. Okay, because so football you could start even younger, but that no, that wasn't. Like, I, I, my brother started football young, uh-huh. and I I wanted to do karate. All right. Yeah. Yes. And then when did you and your brother get to the point of where it wasn't an everyday thing where you're getting beat up? It was every day. It, and I think it got worse when I got into high school because we were oh. fist fighting. But it was, it's just one of those things. We just had, we just had a, a very. Uh, but now it was fighting. It wasn't bullying, right? You, yeah, it was fighting you know? then because it was like. Do you remember the first time you stood up to him and, and actually. Oh yeah, Bec- yeah. What grade was that in? I was in freshman. So, so it was high school when you finally said because he, nah, he was a senior when I was a freshman. And what went down that that ended up happening? He made he uh, we got in a t- my dad was there too. We got in a little tussle, but uh, my dad was trying to break it up. But he made my lip bleed. He busted my lip like through the tussling, and I said, "All right, it's ain't over. Made made me bleed. I'm gonna get you back." I already told him, I was like, I'm going to get you back. So when my dad finally broke us up, I walked by him, I looked at him, and I punched him. That's when I just punched him. 
and then we start fighting again. But I told him I was going to do it. I was like, nah, you made me bleed. And that's something else I have to give him credit for, though. He, he never really, he never punched me in the face. He never made, I have with him because mm-hmm. bigger. But he never close fist punched me, like went off in the face. So I, I love the dude. Um, he was actually, I respected the shit out of him. He went through his, his, his ups and downs, his trials and tribulations. I mean, he had, he went through a lot. He lost his first kid. Uh, that was a big deal. Um, that's when I, I was a, what was I, a senior in high school when he was, when he had his first kid and, uh, and I think that was the heart. I think that's what kind of brought us a little bit closer, but, um, but yeah, he, he lived for about a month in the incubator and all that and on mm-hmm. the tubes and stuff. And then I was getting ready to go play, uh, play varsity, I was varsity, we were playing Lompoc and, uh. I was getting ready, and then my cousin came. He's like, "Hey, uh, they're gonna pull the, pull the plug. You wanna go?" Like, shit, yeah. So I went. I was gonna go, and then I told the I told the head coach. I was like, "Hey, I gotta go, um, to the hospital for my nephew." And then he was like, "Well, I don't know if you're gonna start." I'm like, probably not. <laughs> but I'm out of here mm-hmm. so I left and I went to the hospital and my brother was like nah man just go I want you to play you want to play and I was like alright so I went back they let me play but that was probably the worst game I ever had cause my parents go to every game mm-hmm. been to every game and then that was the first game you look up and you're like you know there ain't nobody gonna play no one was there so it's probably one of my, my memorable moments in football but I had a blast playing well, even freshmen. Well, I you're, I'm thirty six. Mm-hmm. You're about what thirty eight or so. Thirty seven. Thirty seven. So you were maybe a sophomore or junior when I, I was started. a junior because you were uh, Ballesteros uh, brothers' age, weren't you? Like yeah, yeah. You guys were thirty. Yeah, we were in the younger. same grade. Yeah, because I remember. I remember you used to come. Used to we used to go to Noe's um, junior's house for lunch. Yeah. Tino's. Yeah, right, right by Tino's. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I uh, I remember you guys, and I remember, of course, you guys seemed just much older. Like you guys, yeah. of course, had it all figured out, and you guys were, you know, had had girlfriends, had each other as like a tight group. And I remember, um, and I even talked about it in my la- my last podcast that because I was a loner, always coming up, and then when I went to junior high, it was the first time I ever went to school with my with my cousin, and then he had your guys' group of friends. And I remember being more than welcomed into the group. Yeah. Just my, like you were saying earlier, I was very quiet. Yeah. I always try to get you to get you to talk or say two words. I'm like, damn, man. You're always just sitting there quiet. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just... And, you just... And, and, <laughs> and, and I remember just kind of slowly just saying, oh, this... It just... I didn't... I never felt like it was my group, my friends, you know? Right, I, I right. always appreciated you guys opening the door to me. Right. But I ended up slowly just kind of drifting away and... And kind of keep on searching, yeah. and um, but I, I do remember you guys always kind of just being solid at football and like had being a solid group, right? And it was probably at not probably I I got expelled early early in my sophomore year, and I you know I ended up getting jumped into the crazies and started kicking it then, and then I started seeing like you and and a lot of the 
your friends that were ball players I would be partying on the east side but I also see you guys partying on the east side too yeah. and you know my mentality back then was like gangsters were the only hard ones mm-hmm. like we're the only ones that can walk around we can come into any party and fucking it's gonna be we're gonna take it over right but I remember that not being the case when we <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah. but but see that's that's uh that's that was the the yeah that's what I didn't like about because like I said when you're in a gang you you don't you guys are automatically associated together you don't really know if he has your back or not you don't yeah. know who has your back you guys are kind of just on an agreement yeah you're, you're brainwashed to believe they do but and the, and the, and the only thing we had was we all grew up together like as far as our families knew our, like my parents knew his parents and their parents knew their parents so we so it was more of a we know wherever we go we're we come in together we leave together if you get in a fight we get in a, but it was um but that's how i was with anybody though as far as my mentality was you're only as strong as your weakest link and if i'm with him you're not punking him i don't even if he is a dick even if maybe it is his fault or whatever i'll tell him later but not everybody's like that. And that's what I realized. It's like, I didn't have... I was the same boat you were as far as... I didn't have a group because you had Noah and Derek. They were close. Mm-hmm. You had... Um, you had... I didn't smoke weed in high school. So all my other friends that smoked weed, when they went and did that, I wasn't... I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't invited or I didn't want to go. Yeah, yeah, you were going to hang around. And I didn't do a lot of other things that they did either. I didn't, I didn't go do the, I, I wasn't raised um, to do shit like that. And I, and I was okay with that because like you said, I had a girlfriend and I was, but I had, that was to compensate for the fact that I knew I wasn't, that wasn't me with they, even though I wanted to be with my friends, it was just, that's just, I don't want to be caught up in shit like that. Even though I ended up getting caught up on my own, but I, and that's what it goes back to. It's like I treat everybody the same as far as my. Uh, I treat everybody equal. Um, I'll respect you if you respect me, type thing. I don't care where you're from. I don't care, and that, and that was my that was another. Back of my mind, I said I want to be able to go anywhere in this world. And be comfortable. I want to be able to walk into anywhere or any neighborhood or any place. I don't want to be afraid or intimidated or scared or need somebody to walk anywhere. And this, and when you're young, it's kind of like, mm, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, where, do, where are you really going to go? But the military helped me branch off and do that because a lot of times I'm on my own. Wherever I went, I was solo and did a lot of things on my own. But, um... But wherever I went, I didn't build a friendship like everlasting, but whoever I was around, I'm going to be the same person as far as I would be uh, for, uh, how, do, how do I say this? Okay, you know how people say I'll only fight and die for my friend mm-hmm. or my loved one? I couldn't, I'm that person that I couldn't just watch somebody die, it was whether I knew him or not, a stranger. Yeah. So I would do that for anybody. Yeah, I get I get where you're coming from. You know, you know what you I mean. Take, so you, you almost take ownership of hey, you're in my vicinity, you're in my world. Right. I'm a protector. That's just in my nature. So it's so to me, it's not. It's because it's you. 
or it's because it's you. It's because that's just who I am, and and it was something like, and that's why I said I would I would do it for a stranger. So yeah, that's just who I am. Uh, to get it clear, as far as don't think that it's like because I'm not gonna do something you think I should do or you want me to do because I don't I don't I don't do anything that somebody assumes or thinks that I should do for them. You know what I mean? I yep. do it because that's the right thing to do or that's what I'm going to do. But, and, and the thing is, is like, I never, uh, anytime I got in a fight, I wasn't trying to look over my left and right or I wasn't trying to bring anybody in to my situation. I never, I never wanted anybody to have to fight or get in a fight because of something that I... You to handle your business? I, yeah. I initiated or, or it's my problem. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I think that's just the, the disconnect that I have from my brother, but not being afraid of Yeah. Just always just the chip on your shoulder. Like once you like I said, once you realize once you tell yourself you're not losing anymore or you're gonna you're not gonna get picked on or bullied anymore, that means that means the world. That means nobody. And at, for the longest time it was like one of those things where it was more of a uh more of a, like a hindrance because everything was a challenge. Everything was taken serious when it probably didn't. Most of the time, didn't have to be, but but I'm you, always but I'm always ready to go and I'm always t- assuming the worst or I'm always, um, you know what I mean? Like yeah. feeling like you're not punking me. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? We, like, we, I, like I said, being even a teenager back then, I I seen that in you guys, and to me that that started. I started to see lots of cracks, obviously, once I was in the gang. Right, right, right. You start right. to see people who for they really are. Right. You start to learn that now not everybody has your back, like they say. Mm-mm. Yeah, some people are going to fight right alongside you, but that's because they're fighters anyways. They're right. going to fight whether you're there or not. Right. You're, you're just there. But it was always me seeing, like, uh, me thinking that um, my confidence, uh, like, I've, I'm a fighter now. I've, I've, I was raised fighting and now I'm fighting. Who's the toughest dudes? Because that's who I want to surround myself with. Oh, it's the gangsters. Right. So I'm running with them for a long time. And then, but now I start to get to see in your guys' where we're the hardest dude on, in my squad is now talking to like you or maybe mm-hmm. somebody else with a little bit more maybe fear than I've seen them, you know, right. a little bit more respect than, than I'm used to seeing when they, when we walk in to crash a party, you know, right. I'm used to us going in there, grabbing the keg and saying, we're leaving. Yeah. You know, what do you got? Bye. And then that's it. And it allowing to be happened. But I did that. You could just tell right when we walk into the driveway where your guys are at, that's not, you know, that's not happening. Well, and, and the thing is, is it, because we were all in the same, same age, same grade. And it was one of those things where we're not, it wasn't, um, the funny part is, is that we, I was born and raised on the east side. So the gang you're banging, I live there. Yeah. <laughs> you're at my house yeah. partying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it was just one of those things where it was like, most of you guys live on the west side. Yeah. Most I lived you, on the main side. <laughs> most of you guys live, I live here and I've yeah. lived here my whole life. So it was one of those things where I was like, if I, when I go to jail, I tell them I'm from the east side, whether I'm affiliated yeah. or not but it's just that's where I'm raised that's where you're born and raised born yeah. and raised and, and I never that's why I guess I never really felt like I needed to rep it like that mm-hmm. as far as if, if I'm with my friends that happen to be Eastsiders obviously I'm not going to watch them get beat up or they're going to get in a fight and I'm not 
and like you said, if when you're when you have that type of mentality, it doesn't matter where you're at or who you're with. But the real friends aren't the ones that are ready to get you in trouble or the ones that are ready to help you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. I always said the friends were the ones that would stop by on a Tuesday just to say what's up and leave, not hang out and see what you're doing all day yeah. and next week, but just come on a Tuesday or, or hit you up and say on a Wednesday and say, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Just yeah, see how see you're, doing. you're doing. To me, those, those, and my, like I said, my dad had a lot of, um, life lessons usually when he was faded because he drank a lot mm-hmm. when I was younger. Um, but he said, when you can count, if you can count your friends with more than on one hand, you got too many friends. And he was, and he was right because I'm 37 and all the people that I've ever met in my life, I probably can count three legit three. And those are hard because you're talking about people that never fucked you over or, or people that actually dogs you out or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Prove that they weren't that. Yeah, they're good friends, but yeah, but but they still I don't know. <laughs> and they give you that that inclination, and there's only three people that I can that I would say would be there at a job if I needed them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or I would be there for them if if I if they needed me. But we live on two um, opposite of one lives in Texas, you know. But uh, and he's white. <laughs> And completely different people as far as where we were raised, how we were, where we were born, but we connected. Now, um, our mentalities are the same, just our, mm-hmm. but it's, but the mentality is the same, like like how it is around the world. What I learned about around the world, and I've been in a lot of places, is that the only the respect and the consideration and the common courtesy and the decency that you you would. Uh, assume you deserve that's what everybody else assumes too as long as you treat me with respect or you, and but a lot of other countries they're less they actually mean what they say or they want you to hold they hold you accountable for weight like they're more serious on that mm-hmm. as far as uh, as far as they don't play a lot of games like they're they're more on the um, what do you call it the honest yeah, like like or some countries will cut your hands off for stealing. That's, that's what I mean. They, <laughs> yeah. they they have the honor codes to where you don't bullshit. Like they actually live up to the things that I was talking about. Yeah. Where we grew up, very wish washy in Santa Barbara. I mean, a lot a lot of. Well, you growing up on the east side. I mean, how many kids did you see? Maybe uh, weren't as tough that they put on, but when they were with. They try to be, you know, gangsters and try to put on a persona. But you, like you said, you were born and raised there. So you, you knew who was born and raised there. But you also could see new people coming that, like, wait, what's this kid about? Well, no, I never underestimated anybody in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I never, because I've come from being underestimated and, and being the little one that had to prove himself and stuff like that. So never underestimated not even a girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. anybody is capable of getting that lucky day. And like I said, this, this, I, I don't have to respect you personally, per se. Not, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. for, for example. But the streets. You always got to be mindful of the streets. It don't matter who you are, how tough you are, no matter how invincible you think you are. Those streets are unforgiving, and it can take you 
any given day, night, and, and time. They, you, th- that's what I, I pay, like, I, um, I'm conscious of. Mm-hmm. And even now, you know what I mean? Even as, at this age, I mean, I got, <laughs> I was walking home, like, it wasn't too long ago. First time ever, walking home, and I got close to my head, and four kids jumped out of the car to hit me up in front of my house. And I've never, and how many times I've walked home drunk by myself on the east side, walked up and down everywhere, never been hit up like that. And just recently, got four kids come, come jumped out of the car. And it was first time for everything. Yeah. And how'd that situation go down? I just walked by them, but one of them asked me, uh, do you bang? And I just looked at him. <laughs> like, nah, man. Wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to tell me where you're from? <laughs> but, I mean, it, it just looked... And and the thing is, though, I'm more... Conscious, conscientious of that because it's like, no, it's not for play and it's not for I'm going to let you just... No, it's, somebody's going to die. Yeah. And I don't... And, and to know... To have that um, understanding, I... That's why I stay away from situations or conflicts or, or don't even go out anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's like there's it's not a play no more. It's not it's it's life or death. And I take my life very serious. I mean, I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm not gonna make it easy for anybody. Yeah, you're not gonna <laughs> you, set it up. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I'm not gonna do something stupid or, or I never did. And that's the thing, not being afraid of anything. Like, even being in Iraq, it was like, okay, I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm not going to stand outside with my helmet off and no vest and say, come get me, and act like I'm some invincible. No. No, I'm not going to make it easy. And that's the whole thing, is just being more... uh, Like I said, I went from being the aggressor, like, where I felt like I had to be the, uh, like I said, the chip on the shoulder, to where I realized that go back to martial arts training it's like no you don't have to fight everybody and you don't have to prove your your right all because I, I mean it was never I couldn't I didn't know how to use my words and I didn't know how to back then so it was I'm gonna well we're arguing and we're just gonna fight because that's mm-hmm. where it's gonna lead up to anyway so I just cut to the chase and just let's fight I feel you on that it, yeah. it, but I mean it was not it was because I was ignorant and I couldn't use my words. Mm-hmm. I'd get frustrated. I didn't know what else. Okay. Nope, we're not talking. Because you're probably going to get me and make everybody laugh. Not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. It was, and I didn't want... And I was actually... I'm going to hit you first. Because if you do win, at least I got to get you first. That was my mentality. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to get at least two or three. And then whatever happens after that, at least I got you first. Yeah. I'm right with you. I've always felt the same. My My mentality was more of a... Well, I'm not gonna wait to be hit. That's why yeah, I wanted to. I didn't that's why I hit. wanted to throw because throw I didn't know if I, I didn't know if it was hurt or if you're gonna knock me out. Yeah. So, but and anybody who said and that's the thing is like I took I used fear my whole life as a as a um, the more stressful situation gets for some reason the calmer I get because I've been in a lot of um, stressful situations, but but it's uh but the fear. Is what keeps you thinking. It's what makes you think fast. It makes you want to defend yourself or protect yourself. It makes you be aware of things. Not not um, like being afraid, like frightened. Like, yeah. oh shit, you're underneath the table. Get up, bro. You gotta... <laughs> but, but the fear of 
the the um where you where you're still it makes you alert basically yeah. you need to have that fear and a lot of people say they don't I think they're lying but every firefight I've gotten into that little bit of fear is what made me a little more sharper sharper yeah. think um, plan strategic outs ends but I mean fighting same thing my leg starts twitching but I'm like I'm aware but I need I know something's gonna happen I need to do it <laughs> yeah but but it's that uh, that and that's what people don't have anymore unfortunately is they don't Kids aren't afraid of dying. People, they're not afraid of anything. But that's because they don't think anything's going to happen. That's the minus, that's the, that's the uh, part dumbing down, but that's the part of being uh, disillusioned through the media, watching it all. Once you see it project on TV and movies and stuff, you think it already happened, so you don't, you don't react when it actually is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or you're not thinking it's ever going to happen. But when it does, you think you saw it already. Are you? you well, a lot of teenagers have that in them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just, they don't react to to crisis. To, mm-hmm. I mean, well, just thinking like they're invincible and nothing can get them. Well, it's not it's yeah. not that. It's just because they've been desensitized. When you grew up watching violence all day, or you're playing video games where you're shooting people all day. Yeah, get them. Blah blah blah. Violence, 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 violence. You think you're immune to it. You're you're um, desensitized. Like just like cops and soldiers get when they've been through it so much, you you don't react to it as as much as like somebody who's never seen it before. You're not as as shocked, but that's because you're constantly when you're you're raised to playing video games and everything's violence. So when shit actually does happen, people are like, "Is that real?" You know what I mean? They don't know. They can't, and that's the sad part mm-hmm. because there was an incident in Texas when this dude was in broad daylight stabbing people, and they were. And they interviewed this chick, and she's like, at first I was just like, is that real? That can't be real. That's not real. But you're standing there as this dude is walking by stabbing people. That's the mentality. Like, that's that's where their mindset's at these days. And, and a lot of kids, a lot of kids are dying. They're killing each other. They're doing stupid, stupider, dumber things. I mean, it's dangerous for them. But... Not to mention suicide as Su- well. Yeah. Suicide rate is, is... But I mean, that's because they don't believe they have a purpose and they don't see any good out of out of this world that, that's been... That they've been shown. Yeah. And it's not true. But... Uh, that's, that's the sad part. There's a lot of people, even soldiers. I mean, there's 22 uh, veterans committing suicide a day for the last 10 years or something like that. It's been 22 a day. But I understand why, because I, probably the medication, they take, they, they, they pill them up. I mean, that, that's what they want you is either climatose because once you're, once you have a medical condition, you're um, not credible. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You don't have, you don't get to speak for yourself. You don't get to, um, Basically, anything you say is not credible because you're, you have a condition. You have a medical. That's why they've been trying to get kids to have an um, ADD. Because once you're on ADD and then we put you on that meds, now you have a, a medical condition your whole life. And they've been doing that younger and younger. It's like, no, your kid's a boy. And your kid has a bunch of testosterone and doesn't know what to do with it. So he's going to climb a tree. He's going to run around until he gets dizzy. No, he can't sit still for eight hours. Who can? 
But you, <laughs> you know, but nobody yeah. thinks about that. It's like he's a boy with a full of testosterone. Don't know what to do with it, and you want him to sit still with his legs crossed and raise his hand for eight hours, six hours at a time. Nah. But because he can't, now he's just too hyper, and he needs to be medic. Medicate the kid. Yeah. He needs to. Uh, it's a condition. It's ADD. Oh. No, the kid don't have ADD. He just has energy. He has. They're taking away the creativity of the of the of the kid because every kid has a, a create. They go through. They have creativity. They at a certain age they have they create in their mind. They can create different things, and they like. They like creating their own uh, stuff. Like your imagination is is bigger, is wider. When you're a kid, you can you can play with two sticks and act like you're freaking Rambo one hundred. No. You know what I mean? Like that's how creative kids are. But they're taking it away because by the time the kids in sixth grade, they they're quiet, they're mute, they're detached from the family, and they don't say nothing, and you can't get a conversation out of them because their creativity. It has been taken away, and that's what they're doing. Uh, to to the kids today, they're they're create they're not creative. You have to let kids be. That's how you you invent stuff. That's how kids like go off and 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 invent things and and flourish and and find their own path because they're being creative. But when you take that away and all you want them to do is raise your hand and and. Uh, comply with authority and be on the schedule from nine to five. You're gonna go to breakfast, dinner. Wh- who else does that? Oh, prison. Oh, the military. Or the military. Yeah. So, but you're a certain. But that's what they. That's what you're being conditioned. That's what I say. When you're conditioned in school, you're you're taught to obey, to comply, to um, do as you're told, and you're on a schedule. A work schedule. At what age did you even start considering? Like now we're we're talking about this. What age did you consider military? Was it? I always had a. uh, It was something because we grew up on watching. I think the movies we watch influence us in a way, depending on what you watch. Like I was very influenced by music too. Mm -hmm. I I think that's where most of my intellect came from because I would listen to a wide. Variety of music. I didn't just sit on rap. I was more R and B, soul, old school, reggae. I listened to it all. Heavy metal. It just depended on my mood. But every, but uh, as far as movies, I I like the um, I like the like the uh, what is it when you watch a movie and you you get inspired by it like the hit. I always thought the when they showed the the army movies, the military movies, I always wondered like. Man, when they show like the guy, the worn down soldier, who looks after a, after a battle or whatever, he just looks like he just accomplished something. He just looks like a hero to me. He just looks like he just did something. You know what I mean? Like he's standing on a, he's sitting on his own throne. Mm-hmm. But then I realized my own experience. No, he he's tired. He thinks it sucks. He's probably hungry, <laughs> and, and and he just can't wait to get home. But in the movies, but in the movies, what you've seen is what they're trying to portray. Right, yeah. it's yeah. bigger than. I mean, you just did something bigger than yourself, and right. it was, and it was life and death. Basically, you, you fought, and stared at death, and so you, you that was instilled in you from a young age. Then came eighteen, you graduated, but you didn't join I right didn't, away. Yeah, I didn't join right away. I think that was probably just a little bit of a timid, like fear, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
I was like, I had a choice of school and military. I went through the whole MEPS things and I failed the first test. First time I took the test, failed it. And then I barely passed it. And this is for school? No, for the ASVAB to get into the military. Oh, okay. So I think the minimum was 32. That's like the bare minimum. So when you get a low score like that, you only have like two options. <laughs> infantry? <laughs> so, infantry or tanker. Uh-huh. Uh, and I didn't like that because uh, I wanted to go in as a MP. And uh, they wanted me to go in as a cannon crew. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. And so they tried to convince me for like six hours at MEPS because they already did all that stuff. And I was like, nah, man, if I can't get what I want, then I'm not signing. But it was me subconsciously like intimidated. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, this isn't out? I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't really want to go because of fear, probably intimidated. Mm. But I can go to school, go to college, like any other 18 year old, go party and see what disease I can get. Mm -hmm. But, um, that didn't work out very well because I suck at school. So I dropped out within the first half, first month in San Diego because I went to San Diego, uh, Grossmont Community College because my uncle was a, a counselor there. And so I moved up there and had my own place and all that other stuff, doing the college life and just drinking and drinking some more. And I had my girlfriend was still a senior in high school at the time, so I was always coming home. I wasn't, school was just, I went to college like four or five times, dropped out every time. It's not for me. Um, <laughs> I tried uh, when I went, but uh, no, nah, I just knew school wasn't for me. I knew it wasn't, that just wasn't my road. And I didn't want to be, I didn't know what I wanted to do actually at the point. I was at home get drinking because that's all we pretty much did every day after high school. I was like 260 pounds at one point. And when 9-11 happened, Something just told me that if, if I'm gonna go, it's, I'm gonna go during a war. I'm not gonna just go on peacetime. Like, mm-hmm. so it's the best time to go if you're gonna go, and it's always two feet in. I just didn't like. I just didn't like seeing that. Like just that feeling of just knowing that there was innocent women, children, people, just family members. You know what I mean? Just killed. I didn't like that, and then I didn't realize that we were actually the the killers like we're the bad ones so I was like shit um because when you get over there you're you're trained to kill you're trained to 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 win a war you're did, ready to fight did you have to retake your test or your test was I had to retake it I had to wait a month <laughs> I had to wait a month to uh but I had I got the book I studied it myself but I had to, I had to study and it was basic math English arithmetic <laughs> simple shit yeah. I mean decimals and all that other stuff but I got a 32 so you got the bare minimum bare, when you yeah, passed through? Yeah. But this time, infantry was... Striker. Weird. Well, actually, tanker. I got tanker. Uh-huh. Uh, M1A1, the, the big old boo-boo. Yeah. So I went to Fort Knox for 19 weeks because for tanker, you have basic training and then you have... Um, to Then they teach you uh, tanking, but you but it's still basic training. Like They yeah. still treat you like shit the whole time. You just have to stay there longer than, than regular infantry. So I went to Fort Knox for for nine, 17 weeks. But actually when I went I showed up and they and the, they were hiring they were they were enlisting more than they actually could can class because the holdovers would do all the shit details for about a month. 
What's they, a holdover? Holdovers are the ones that didn't fit in the class because only a certain amount can are, are in a platoon mm-hmm. that can go down range and do basic training. So if your number wasn't picked, then you have to wait another month for the next class and then you would go in there. But in the meantime, you're going to paint barracks. You're going to throw out the track. You're going to do all this... this KP yeah. like cleaning dishes and all that like just the yeah cutting cutting grass with scissors because it's funny <laughs> <laughs> seriously <laughs> and, and, and kills time but and so when they did the um, the formation sure enough call this number skip me call that number so I was a holdover for for thirty days and that you had already completed boot camp no no huh? I had to wait thirty days and do the KP and all that until the next month. And then I would go to basic training. So I had spent an extra month in basic training because I was a holdover. Doing all that dirt work? Yeah. And then, yeah. And then the platoon I, I was in, uh, we started off with uh, 120. We ended with 50. And how many dropped out during the first initial basic training? Uh, pretty much 75% almost. Because I happened to get the platoon... That the drill sergeants were the worst, like the hardest, the meanest, the the dropout rate was higher than any other company around us, and I didn't. I mean, that's like I said, it's my luck. <laughs> did, did you did you find it difficult for yourself to get through it? Uh, no, no, not no, because I ended up being a platoon guide, and uh, that's the like the what is it, the guy in the front? Mm-hmm. But he's, you know what I mean, like. It's one of those like you're leading the platoon, but not really. Um, you just get smoked more. I I ended up getting out of basic training at one thirty four. I went in at two sixty. My first two miles, I ran it in twenty seven thirty seven minutes. They didn't have a sundial. I was slow, <laughs> but but when I got out because I still had a mouth. I still I mean, and never wherever I was, whatever I was doing, I never changed as far as. I mean, I got in so much trouble just because I wouldn't... I'm going to go along with it, but I'm just going to let you know that that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we'll gonna, do that. But... I'm going to do what you're saying, but <laughs> yeah. I just want you to know I'm it's gonna, stupid. I'm going to tell you that this is dumb. <laughs> I, I always had a mouth for for my whole life. If I don't like something or if something doesn't make sense, I'm going to say something. Um, but I'll still do it. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Let it. It just felt good to me and in my head like as long as as long as you know that I know what you're doing okay I'll still do it it was kind of like when in high school it was like uh, you know how your friends try to try to gas it up like hey nothing's gonna happen we're just gonna go over here we're gonna do this and but they try to like how it's gonna be work out just perfect like I didn't like that they don't I already know what's gonna happen so don't don't feed me yeah, all that. Just, try to we know what's it. gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just I'm ready. Let's go. But that's how I just don't. I don't like the guessing. I don't like the assuming. I don't like the. I never liked bullshitting. I didn't. Like I said, I wasn't. Um, what's it called? Uh, my, my mind didn't go out that far. Like I didn't like. I didn't like that. Uh, making shit up. Just just trying to. And and now it was hard because I didn't have a whole lot of words because my education was limited, limit, uh, limited, mm-hmm. and um, so but it's kind of difficult to explain exactly. 
what well, was on your mind at times? Yeah. Or how you felt? Yeah, mm-hmm. especially in, in, in the military because I took everything like how I took them at home. Everything was... I got I got in four fights in the first month I was there. First night I was there, I got in a fight with my platoon sergeant. Not my platoon sergeant, but my squad leader. First night. <laughs> because during a ra- it was the Raiders Super Bowl. When the Raiders were uh, playing uh, Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. So I missed all that. Now I'm watching the Super Bowl in my, sar- my sergeant's room. But he wanted to change the channel every time a play was happening. So he was doing it on purpose. But I'm still... What are you doing? <laughs> Not yeah. distinguishing the whole, like, hey, this is your sergeant. The right? ranks. Yeah. yeah. And I had trouble with that in the beginning of the, when I first, when I was first there, I almost got, got kicked out, for, like, within the first month because I just thought you are supposed to fight. <laughs> I mean, to prove yourself yeah. anywhere you go, you're, you, you, I mean, if they're testing you, but that's a whole different mind game as far as getting messed with and, and the hazing and all that other stuff and people that you don't respect might outrank you and you have to do what they say and I, I had trouble with that especially mm-hmm. if I did not and how'd you how'd you do with the hazing that that went on I didn't get hazed yeah. it was more or less just having to, to to follow orders with people that I don't respect like don't deserve it in my eyes mm-hmm. or just bullies basically you have the rank so you think you can talk to me a certain way or but I, I already had the mindset where I don't care who you are, where I'm at. We could be in church. You could be the colonel. I'll I'll go along. I'll, I mean, I'm going to go along with follow orders, whatever. Best, But you're not going to degrade me. You're not going to disrespect me, like belittle me as a person, as a man. I don't care. But I made that certain things. I just convinced myself and made it mindset like I'm not gonna do this you know what I mean like no matter like I've already a long time ago when I was younger just no matter what this is what I'm standing by or this is what I'm this is what I won't do or you know what I mean like put lines in the sand for myself and, and try to live up to that and so you're going through all this and you're getting through it you're you're probably in the best shape of your life yeah because in basic training like I said I had a big mouth and so I was getting smoked more than everybody. I almost, I got, see, I believe a man gets broken three times in his lifetime. Like where he goes through a transition phase where he thinks he knows everything and he has everything figured out. And then all of a sudden something happens and it all shut. And then you're broken down and you got to build your, And every time you build yourself up, you, you get wiser and, and better, I think. And it happens three times. Should happen. But uh, at that point, I was... Uh, I felt like I was, I can do this. You know what I mean? Like I have everything figured out. I'm confident. All this stuff in my head as far as who I thought I was already. Like coming from Santa, like everything I've accomplished, everything I've done. Like I've just the the whole confidence thing. Um, but I, I made fun of, a, a, <laughs> I was making fun of another soldier. Um, I was just, Clowning around because that's sort of mm-hmm. been a class clown my whole life, but it was short and I was singing the um, "We Welcome You Munchkin Land," <laughs> and one of the drill sergeants happened to be shorter than him, and he was like four foot five, but he was like yeah. a but he was a, a army of the year, like he was the soldier of the year. He was one of those guys. Went to all my drill sergeants went to Desert Storm, all of them saw combat. <laughs> 
because they're all tankers. Mm-hmm. So they were all they were all messed up, like as far as just like intense. You know what I mean? And this dude, it was crazy because it was like okay. One of the drill sergeants heard me singing that. He's like, okay, go stand at the end of the hall and sing it as loud as you can with this guitar. So he handed me the broomstick so I had to stand there and sing it. And I knew this drill sergeant's going to come out and fucking, that's it. So he comes out and then all of a sudden he was just like, I have you for, I have you, you're, you're mine now. And I said, okay. So basically we have a pit where it's sand and a bunch of sandbags outside in front of the thing. That's where we do our, um, where you do your remedial training, like where they smoke. We call it smoking, but they you gotta do push ups, sit ups, all this other stuff. If you if you mess up or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so every day I had a report to him after everything was like everybody everything was done as far as like spit shining blue. Everybody's getting ready for bed, but I had to go see him every day. And, and this was the short the DI? short drill sergeant. Yeah, and. And I had to bring a a, a five gallon canteen, a five gallon jug of water with me, and I had to be standing at at a attention, our parade rest, until we got there, and it was just me. Every day, he had me. Like as far as it was like, all right, flutter kicks. So I'm doing flutter kicks now. Push ups. Fill the hole, so I'm grabbing a sandbag. Now, oh, you left the hole, fill the hole. So I'm just doing all this. Roll left, roll right, drink your water. So you're trying to jug water. Out of Don't, the five-gallon bucket? Out of the five-gallon yeah. jug. No, it's one of those, like, uh, those fuel cans yeah. of water. So I'm standing there trying to drink, but you're all beat. So it's getting all over you. So now you're going to roll in the sand. I mean, just smoke the shit out. But I figured, in my head, if I just prove that, like, show them heart. Like, I'm not going to quit or I'll just give it all I got. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You'll yeah. see, see my dedication. Nah. He, his whole intent was to break me. And it got to the point where it was like a week. And in my head, I was like, this dude's going to break me. Because like, breaking is like you pushed your mind and your body as far as where else is it going to go. You know what I mean? I got nothing left. And uh, I, it, was, it was a Friday. And um, it took my drill, the drill sergeant, my drill sergeant, one day to come down and uh, he was like, eh, he's actually, he might be a pretty good soldier. Like t- trying to like, hey, you got him for a week now. <laughs> you know I'm what I mean? Still, he's, he's still doing it. He's pretty, he's, no, I was done, man. Mm-hmm. I was broken. Uh, when he, he said, you got five seconds to get across the street, I had to crawl. Cause I was, my body was like beat. And uh, yeah, broke me. Cause I, and, I, and like I said, it made me stronger now that I look back on it. But at the same time, to feel that broken spirit, like to just feel like this dude had the best of you and there's nothing you could do about it. And no matter what, you were going to quit. Like he was going to push you to the, that's what I mean, yeah. like the push you to the max. And uh, it was hard. Uh, but But that's how I learned in life. Nothing came easy. I never got anything. Nothing ever came natural. I never had a natural speed, a natural talent. I wasn't the biggest, the strongest. I didn't have the the height to do anything that I wanted, like karate, football. I was always the... the I had to work for it. 
and and that was the same with military. I had to work for it. Nothing. I wasn't. I didn't memorize shit. I wasn't a good uh, drill. Like I didn't. Uh, what is it? I didn't like the whole fake garrison where you have to try to impress and try to like. I just didn't care to do that. Like the whole parade ground type of. Well, you have well, you have people that, like I said, it's like a, another. It's just another pyramid organization where you have people that are wanting to to be to impress. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're gonna do. You have kids that are in there trying to kiss, but to get rank, or you have fast trackers who just want to make rank, so they're gonna do everything they can to get promoted. Well, they gotta step on people to get promoted. Mm-hmm. You gotta shit on people to make you see yourself look good, and yeah. and to make everybody else not as good. So you have a lot of that, I and mean, then when you're in, you're it's like nothing but men, testosterone, alpha male. So everybody is that's just a, a cesspool, you know what I mean? And and it was like, and some people deserved it, some people didn't. I just, I I just I, I, uh, what is it? I didn't need all that. Like, I didn't need... I never... I didn't go in the military looking for, a con, like, approval or to get your... That a boy or... <laughs> like, I, I just never did. And I didn't care to get ranked. You know what I mean? I, I, I wanted to just do my job. And, like, I, I denied... They wanted, to, they wanted to promote me for, like, a year. But I kept denying it. Because I, I, I knew I couldn't memorize all that shit. Like, to sit at the board and... Like I got the I got my status. I mean, I'm where I'm at. I'm comfortable. More pay, but but I didn't need to be a sergeant to be respected as a sergeant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't need to be the the football captain to be respected as the football player. I didn't. Oh, I, gotcha. I, I didn't need to be the uh, the karate kid to earn uh, people's respect for what I did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was. And I got more out of satisfaction out of helping others and teaching others what I what I knew than I did myself. And and I get more I get more gratification than I always did teaching somebody something that they didn't think they can do. Oh uh, yeah. And, and and I never like I said, being the underdog and feeling like the one who had to work for everything I got, I could see that in some kid like I could see that in people like just needing that opportunity or that know how and I hated being around people that you can tell are jerks. That's why you don't want to ask them for help because yeah. they just come off that way. They know more than you. They're not going to tell you because their job, it's about their security and how and makes them look more no. tall but, together. And 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 I didn't and I I didn't like that. But that one drill sergeant who's pretty much. Broke me. Seen, well, the one who's seen something in you and went to go oh, yeah. tell the one who was trying to break you. Yeah. He was able to get through to the guy to say, hey, this guy oh, we got a good sh- a soldier. Yeah. He, I mean, he had me for a week and he probably would have broke me if he, if, <laughs> if he wouldn't have said intervened. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I was the platoon, platoon guy at the time too. So it was like, come on, man. <laughs> it's like, but, uh. But see, I would always do what I was told. I will do it. Um, and I'll do it. Whatever I was doing, I'm going to do it 110. It doesn't matter what, if I liked it or not. If it was something I didn't want to do, it didn't matter. I'm going to, I'm here, I'm doing it. So I'm going to give it all I got. That was my home, always been my mentality. As far as, I might not be the smartest, the 
the brightest, yeah. but I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give you my hundred. I might do a hundred. I might do it a hundred percent wrong, but you're gonna get a hundred no matter what. You're gonna get yeah. max effort, and I think that's the only thing that I've ever used uh, as a as a different stages of my life was just do the. I know I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> it's not gonna come right away, but I'm not gonna stop trying. I refuse to lose as far as. If I want something, I'm. Gotcha. I'm, I'm gonna do it as, however long it takes, huh. and that's, just the mentality I've always had. When you first signed up and you went to basics, did you already have a date of when you were gonna get deployed, or is it something no, that you? No, no, I didn't even know what unit. I, I thought I was gonna be a tanker, and see, <laughs> another road. I trained seventeen weeks as a M one A one tanker, and then. Uh, when it came down to duty station, because they assign you duty station after you graduate, me and three other guys, only three other guys out of the whole battalion, got stationed in Fort Lewis, Washington. And we're, we're all, okay, what's that Washington? Is it, I don't know what you guys are going to do there. There's no tanks. Where are we going? But there's only five of us out of the whole unit that are going. So I'm like, here we go again. Show up to Fort Lewis. Yep, it's an infantry battalion. It's a ranger regiment. I mean, everything is all... The whole base is... Army rangers? Infantry. Uh-huh. I'm a tanker. Infantry don't get along with tankers. And there's only five of us. So you can imagine... The... the from the very beginning, it was... A test. Every, I mean, you, you're... It was the stigma. If you're a tanker, you're slow. You're fat. You're lazy. Because all you do is ride in a tank, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I just got a basic training, bro. <laughs> but I mean, every you weren't good. You weren't if you're not infantry, you're you're not. You're just a pogue. You're not. You're not a real soldier. Like you're not on the ground. Little do they know. So that's in the beginning, though. When I first showed up, that that's how we were treated. It was like there was only a small group of us, but because we were tankers, we got called out for. If there any crap detail, we were designated to it. If, if if we got the shitty assignments, we got we ate last when everybody was in the barracks sleeping on in training. We were out in the motor pool watching all the all the vehicles. So we because because you got to think about it, the first sergeant is a ranger infantry first first sergeant. So he looks at us as just these attachments that don't even have tanks. So what do we do with them? Mm-hmm. They're gonna be on ammo detail. They're gonna be on KP. They're gonna be on the shittiest details because that's what I'm yeah. using for. So that's where we were, and um, that's why I said I got in quite a few fights when I first showed up because I it didn't matter to me because uh, I didn't see it like that. But I wasn't gonna give in. I wasn't gonna prove them right as far as like. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to train. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to be the best I can be. I'm not trying to be super soldier or prove yeah. you guys that I'm and any how, less than you. How many weeks did you have to do there now as an infantryman? I was there. That was my unit. We were stationed for good. Duty station, Fort Lewis, Washington, infantry. So as a tanker, as an M1 tanker. And so my first deployment, we were in strikers, but we it was just a small platoon. So we were less, we had less um, manpower because every platoon, infantry platoon, they have like four squads. So they have over 100, 100 guys in each platoon. We only had eight. 
That's with a platoon leader and a platoon sergeant. So, and it was only four to a vehicle. Four, and they had like 12 to a vehicle. So we had less man, less uh, weaponry, whatever. So my first deployment, we were uh, tasked out to do all the... <laughs> we were put on the, the worst, like the... The bullshit missions basically didn't care about us. Like Your we first were, deployment, did you go overseas? Yeah, I was in Iraq. We went to our um, Azul. Um, that's the second biggest to Baghdad, but we we drove our strikers from Kuwait all the way through Baghdad, all the way down the country because Mosul is on the other side of Kuwait. Like and, the and strikers are a type of vehicle. Uh, it was the first time the strikers were ever used. They were brand new to the to the military striker brigade with the. Um, it's the infantry, the green vehicles with the wheels, uh-huh. with the big ass wheels, but they have a cage, looks like a bird cage around it. But it was a new vehicle that they were testing that never been used in combat, never been used, so they didn't know. Yeah, the first yeah. time, first time using them, so we were we were testing them out. Um, but we drove, but we road marched all the way from Kuwait and drove. Through the whole country, basically, all the way because Mosul is at the end of the border, where um, Georgia is. So that's the furthest you can go from Kuwait to Iraq. That's the whole country, and we stopped at each place, at different places like Balad and all these other places, and we would operate there and do a lot of raids and, and like I said, we had less men. So every time we went out, we had just us, and we would be out because, like, they'd have a a New Year's, everybody's in is on post and we're out doing watch for the rest for the whole company that's because we weren't infantry but um so the first 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 platoon first tour was uh was just proving grounds because all i did was work out every day train every day and and uh i was like all right well my my buddy text that's that's mm-hmm. the guy I was talking about. That's we were in it together. And the funny part is, is that I get, I outpushed anybody in the company. So I did the most push-ups in two minutes, which is like almost two hundred, in in a minute or two minutes, close yeah. to two hundred. So I outpushed anybody in the platoon in the company, overall the infantry, and Tex outran everybody. So he was the fastest. I was the strongest. And you guys both came from tankers? <laughs> we were yeah. tankers. And, yeah. we, and so, but we never acted like, like separated from them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we just don't have to do what you're doing. Not that we can't. You know what I mean? And, and, and it was a test. Everything was always just an uphill, have to, have to prove yourself, prove yourself. So we went on most missions. We got blown up more than any other. Platoon stopped wanting to go out with us or have us attached to them because we were always getting hit. <laughs> no matter what, every time we went out, we were getting hit. So, and by, by IEDs, like roadside bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mostly roadside bombs. And I only got hit by one V-bit. That was the second tour. That one was, that was it. That was what, was it what was it like? Did you get hit by a, a roadside bomb first or a firefight first? Fire, we would always get ambushed. Like, but we don't know where it's coming from. So you're getting shot at. You shoot back, but I mean, this is the surroundings was like guerrilla warfare. It's like you don't, you, you're the neighbors. It, how do I explain? It? It's like 
we occupied their country just like somebody it would be like if somebody occupied our country at first i thought it was going to be like okay we're looking for terrorists and those are the bad guys you have your end zone i have my end zone let's go find them but that's that wasn't the case because we're you it was funny because we were one to we're one day we were stand we were sitting there pulling security and in this pack this big old patch of like it was like a growing whatever uh like you know what I mean fields mm-hmm. and there was an old man sitting there drinking chai in the middle of it but he's just staring at us and one of the one of my privates was like what what does he keep looking at what does he look because he's getting nervous I'm like how do you think you would feel if you were trying to drink chai in your backyard and you just seen this big vehicle with a machine gun pointed at you we're occupying their their home like they're looking at us like what are you guys doing here but and that and i didn't really think about that my first tour because my first tour was more like green young just didn't care mm-hmm. um didn't really had no responsibility but for myself well, even so, though you've seen combat. Yeah, no, 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 no. It was, it was, but it wasn't as, as, uh, like I said, it wasn't as bad and as much as the first, as the second tour. First tour was, yeah, we got hit a lot, but we weren't, it wasn't that many firefights. We didn't lose that many people. We didn't lose anybody, actually. We didn't lose nobody, the whole company. And so, but what was that still what was that like for you never being shot at before now you're in a foreign country and that's happening my mindset was was already it was set I didn't have any attack like I didn't have any I detached everything from home I didn't think about home I didn't I didn't even call for the first month I was there I, I got forced <laughs> but um I didn't have I made sure I didn't have like a girlfriend or a wife kid I didn't have any kids so I I completely shut off from everything once I got on the plane. Like nothing else mattered. Nothing I didn't think about nothing. And I didn't care about nothing. If I die, I die. I just hope it happens in the beginning and not at the end. Because the end sucks when you spend a whole year and all of a sudden you get taken out. Mm-hmm. That'd be bullshit. But I felt like that's where I was at. That's what I needed to do. And if I and if I if something happens and I happen to die, then that's where that's what happens. I was okay with that. A lot of people, when you get over there, say they are, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And you see that. You see a lot of people break down. You see a lot of people that can't take that pressure because you're away from home. You you can't leave. And your your life is... In, but I never let myself um, dwell on that as far as what if. Or, oh man, that was close. Yeah. Like, I just never... I feel you on that, but it's also like you kind of blow over like it was nothing. Yeah, to get, it, it, to get blown up, in to my get head, shot at. In my head, that's how how det- like detached I was. As far, I mean, it got to the point where I'm sitting there like, cause we would get relieved from another platoon, and me and this other sergeant, I, every time we would relieve each other, I would look at him and I go, <laughs> like, just dark sense of humor. You know what I mean? It was like, I didn't. Like you were pointing to him and say you're gonna blow. Yeah, up. I was like, uh-huh. and he's like, <laughs> I was like, probably, yeah. and and we would just say we're both like you're gonna you're gonna get blown up right now. Watch, but that was our a sick, our sense of humor. You yeah, know what I mean it got darker and darker as it, as you spend more time over there, but um, I didn't look at them 
I didn't I didn't look at them as not human. I just didn't believe that not one of their lives was worth any of ours. Like I didn't like ten thousand of your lives aren't equal to one. And that's how I saw it. And it was one of the my first tour, yeah, I was I was uh because you're young you don't mm-hmm. care like you, you, yeah you're, you're 21 at this time you're, you're ready for yeah. it you know you think you're ready for it and that was the whole shocker was like you became more of a police policing and then you realize like wait a minute you're, these people are in mud huts these people don't even have toilet paper or running water how are they combative how are they the enemy and that's when you start thinking you're like where are they getting all these brand new weapons? Their, their weapons are more high tech than ours. They have gold plated freaking scopes and gold plated AK forty seven fully decked like better equipment than us. And I'm going, this doesn't look. This doesn't make sense. And what about their fighting skills? Their tactics sucked. They didn't have any. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, they they pick up an AK and you start shooting it. You. you <laughs> Uh, and they will shoot it too. Those, blah, blah, but they never, hardly ever hit their target, because they're just sporadically. They would didn't know how to aim it. Mm-hmm. They just give a weapon, shoot it. And that's what they were doing, which is sad because that, that's that's how I felt. Where we're headed, what we're looking at, you know what I mean? And we're not ready for that because they. I'm pretty sure they didn't wake up one day thinking that. Oh, Americans are going to be here kicking in our doors. What do we do? They yeah. don't they don't speak and see the to me war how I look at war it, it, it's just even it's a it's just even it's an even uh battlefield for good and evil cuz you have good and evil on both sides. Your side and their side cuz not everybody's bad on that side. They're doing what they have to, what they feel they need to do to protect their family, their homestead, their way of living. You know, you you talk to some of the guys on your side, and all they want to do is kill people, and all they want to do is shoot everybody, and they're not good people. That's evil. Yeah. But 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 they just happen to be on your side. Doesn't mean they're good. But God has a way, a, 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 a special way of weeding those people out, because good and evil is fighting. Who's to say he was good or he was evil? You don't know. But everybody's going to get taken. Some people are going to lose on both sides. And to me, that's what war is. War is, all it does is, it's just a situation where it evens, it's an even um, playing field for good and evil. To And that's for any war. Because you look, there's one side and two sides, but not, there's not, not everybody's evil on each side. Mm-hmm. Just like not everybody's good on each side. Because we had our characters and bad people in uniform. We still do. In police uniforms. You know what I mean? So, that's how it it gets weeded out. Kind of um, in a weird way where some good are going to die and some some bad. But we're not going to know who's really good or who's bad. It just, you you have to believe in it. And, And like I said, it's... I don't. I can talk about it, and I can, and I can, and I don't have a, a regret because I didn't do anything that I knew I was gonna regret. That was my whole mentality. Don't do anything. I'm gonna regret. 
don't do stupid shit. Like, I don't, I don't have the need to want to kick this guy in the face just because I'm mad or I, or I want to snatch this, like, and have that. No, I'm not going to hit women. Mm-hmm. I don't care how mad I am. Like, that's not how I'm raised. So I'm not going to snatch her by that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not going to be physical when I don't have to or, or belittle this man in front of his whole family when they are high, where they're big on that type of, like, respect their culture, respect their their common courtesy. It goes a long way. You don't have to be... Where some soldiers are just sick in the head and now they got a license to go yeah, practice. Just like cops. Yeah. yeah. But that's everybody, though. They're, they're, on their side, they have knuckled dumb heads that just want to kill Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just want to shoot people. I got a gun. Look at this. I can just go spray it. Or I got mortars. Blow people up. I don't even get to look at them. Have it on both yeah. sides. And we have it all around us. You have evil people. You have people with bad intent, good intent. Some people are on the... Don't know. They're, they, those are the ones you, you try to catch or try to catch before they fall is the conflicted ones the ones that want to, aren't too sure if they want to be bad or if they want to do bad shit but they don't know what, what's good and being good what do I get out of being good what do I get out of doing the right thing that's where I was like I felt like I did everything right and then felt like it was all for nothing because look where we're at look, look around me then I had to do my own soul searching. Then I had to, I had to consider the things that I thought I was doing right when I actually did wrong. When it was my, I'm responsible for my outcome for the shit that went wrong in my life, and that's accountability. And that's all I've ever preached and done. I don't care what you do. I don't judge you. I don't blame you, but take accountable for what you did or said. And that's the only thing I ever. And in your first deployment, was was your mindset already going that way, or did you finish it? What what was your mindset after you completed your first deployment? I was exhausted, but like I said, you don't process it because it's a whole year of crammed in things. Like you'll go through a million firefights, or you'll get your life is you almost lose your life a couple times, but you can't sit there and think about it. You don't have time for that because you're either tired or you're on your next mission, and it's just. It's redundant, and that's a lot of people get complacent because it's 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 every day is the same thing. Put on your uniform, you go kicking doors, and you go. So people get complacent. What well, were most of your missions in the first deployment? That's what they were. Was constantly, um, we were we were uh, uh, raiding, like basically house, 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 looking for weapons of mass destruction and caches and. But I mean, you're going house to house to house to house, and they have like adjacent house to adjacent house. So it looks like one house, but when you go in, they're connected to another house, connected mm-hmm. to another wall. There's a hole in the wall. <laughs> you're like, God damn, how big is this hamster fucking wheel? Yeah. But I mean, there's so many people there too. There's, I mean, there's, there was a grip of kids just running rampant. A lot of kids. But I mean, a poor country it's a third world country they literally live in mud huts still and they don't have they wipe their butt with their hand no toilet paper they shit in a hole so it's like who are we really fighting you know what I mean like they're not if we wanted to win that war just like any other war we would have won it right then and there it would have been over Desert Storm would have been over but I didn't know these things because I wasn't educated so the main thing that I would emphasize is Edu- be educated learn your history know what you're see I didn't 
I thought I knew what I was getting into with all the, but I wasn't raised in a military family, and I wasn't raised with knowing history, because history repeated itself. They did it in Vietnam, they did it in World War II, and we keep falling for it. 9-11, false flag. So, and after your first deployment, you, you, I re-enlisted. You re-enlisted because you didn't, you weren't a hundred percent believing in those thoughts yet, or you hadn't educated yourself, as you're saying. Or? No, no, no. The, see, the whole time that you're you're in the military, the first enlistment, all you're talking about is you can't wait to get out. But when you're over there, and your buddies are re-enlisting, and you feel almost like a like an obligation, like a duty, to to, you can't let them go by themselves almost mm-hmm. for some reason just that day said oh shit I'm gonna re-enlist yeah and then right when you do it you're going what the fuck did I just do and then you're constantly thinking about the next yeah. ETS date like can't wait to get out but and you had said when we were talking earlier that your second deployment was worse than your first yeah we were more active because they didn't know what to do with the strikers the first like they they didn't know their capabilities. I mean, they're still testing. Like they didn't know what we were capable of doing, and, and the whole combat they didn't have the concept yet. But the second deployment was wheels on ground, and we we're already occupying. The, like they treated the strikers like they can go anywhere at any time, so they can go everywhere and anywhere. So basically, we we're so at they, one point we were the only ones on the battlefield, going from Kirkuk to all the way to uh, just on a call. Like, hey, we need you over here. That's like three day drive, bro. <laughs> like, and that's three days away from your base. Yeah, well, we didn't have a base. That was the whole thing. Like the first and our first tour, we didn't get to stay on a big fob. We had to stay on, at a at a um, took over um, an up uh, hotel kind of thing in the middle of the city. So we were surrounded by neighborhood, and it was just our little fob. So we had everything mailed into us. Food was like we didn't get food until. Like cold cuts or whatever, but we got shit into everything basically. Because mm-hmm. everybody else on the fog, they got the gourmet, all you can eat shrimp and steak, and they had they had the works, but we we didn't get that shit because and it was just our platoon that got assigned out there in the out in uh, the province province area. Luck, but uh, but yeah, we the first the first tour was uh. It was long, but it wasn't something that I, I, there wasn't that vivid memory. Because like I said, it was just me. And it was just, all I did was work out every day and and not think about shit, really. And then when I got home, I didn't really think about it because I'm training again. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going and thinking about airborne school. And now I have a girlfriend about to marry her. I don't know where, but uh yeah, I started getting married to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. Your life, you think your life is shortened, so you start marrying everybody. I don't know. I would have had like three wives by now. But that's what happens when you think that you don't, you're running out of time or you don't have time. You start rushing life. You start rushing things and doing things like like uh, uh, spontaneously thinking that you got to do it now. Um, as far as my military career it was just an up and down uphill downhill but it got to the point where I was just I earned the respect of the whole company where I mean I, I was in good in with the first sergeant I was good in with with a lot of the leaders and that they no, earned your, a, your second deployment you were second with the same company yeah yeah and 
so and I was a sergeant. Now I had I had rank. So I got I got promoted on the plane on my way to Iraq. The but it was just something that I was thought I was I was it wasn't something that I was dedicated to like in my mind where I had to be Ranger Joe and have to be uh, I wasn't what you call it I didn't say shit like out of the book where oh you gotta get the feed tray and lift this and blah 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 and talk like this it's like no lift that shit up get that ammo swipe it out put that other in there and let's go did it make a big difference for you now that you had men more men under you or men at all Nah, it wasn't like a, uh, like I said, I've always been, I've always trained, like, from military, I mean, from martial arts, I was training adults, and I was training kids older than me, so I was already teaching football, I was a captain, I had the defense, and I was already telling younger guys what, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And rallying guys and doing all that, like. So it kind of just went on, like, you military you're done that, now I'm in a different place, but. No big deal. Yeah, because like I said, it was more or less. Uh, I knew what they had to do, like I knew what we were gonna do, not what they wanted us to do. Because that's stupid. We're gonna mm-hmm. do this common sense shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but, on, on your second one, you said on your second tour, you said you lost. Yeah, right? we lost. We lost a lot. A lot of guys. A couple. Quite a few guys. But um, yeah, because we like I said, they used us a lot more, and we had a lot more missions like. So we were constantly out the wire. We were never inside. Like we hardly ever, rarely got a break. As far as we were constantly sleep, we we're even. When I say out the wire, that you have the green, the the safe, like your fob where mm-hmm. it's all guarded, and you can you have your own hooch and whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, where your fob is your forward operating right, base. and you have all your like laundry, and you have all that shit. Like we didn't, nah, we didn't have that. We were constantly out the wire, but we were always. We're leaving other units or we're backing up other units and stuff like that. So we're constantly being called here, there. Uh, it was just a lot of back and forth. And it's, and But when you're out the wire that much, it's inevitable. I mean, there was one day when we showed up. Uh, it was... Um, we just... We, we showed up to a certain area in Baghdad. We just got to Baghdad and we were leaving the unit that... Um, they were a Humvee unit. And so we started setting up. And when you set up, you go into a neighborhood and you you have strikers go at each, like kind of like how the cops do. So you'll have them post up at this end and this end and you just, and then you'll have guys dismount and go in this house and this house so we can pull our security or whatever. Probably five minutes, like it wasn't even two minutes when we heard first boom. I'm like, oh shit, somebody got hit. And my vehicle was like the lead vehicle, like, out like um in front of the whole neighborhood because they have gated like walled off or whatever mm-hmm. so we had a um medevac that unit that that group that got hit because they they parked and then all of a sudden a bomb went off so they got hit so we had to take them to, to that uh and my, once we dropped them off we went back on our way back somebody else got hit and this isn't even that like five of our vehicles got catastrophically hit within the half hour that we just got there. Like, where the unit was sitting there, 24 hours before we showed up, we were getting hit left and right at, at the same spots. And then the final one was uh, those guys up, up in the ho- up in their house 
literally up there all day pulling security, nothing. And then we're exbound and we're leaving. Room next to him, boom, blew up. Like you're sitting there going, damn. They were sitting next to that bomb all day long, didn't go off, and then. But it was it was it was five like, and the EFPs were like are like um, sable rounds. They they penetrated the uh, our our armor like butter. But it would, once it penetrated, it make a hole like that. But it would suck everything out the back, like in a bigger hole like that. Mm-hmm. But it would suck everything out. That means everything. I mean, the only thing left is dog tags and boots, because it sucks. It's like a vacuum, but and it's all pushed through that it, hole that it leaves. So everything back. is going into that hole, and and that's when, that was that's yeah. When you don't rec- there's nothing left. There's just dog tags and boots and shirts and like you know what I mean. Yeah. From so grown men are going getting shoved through a hole yeah. what, four inches or so. Yeah, it's a mess. It's it's. But I mean, it's it's one of those things where like, like I said, I wasn't something that I was doing. Like I wasn't, uh, how do I say it? I wasn't out there. My mentality wasn't to kill. Like I'm not out there trying to kill you, but I will type thing. Do you, does that make sense? Like I'm fine. If I fire, it's because I'm being fired upon. If I'm, I'm actually like. I'm the one getting blown up, so I'm having to react type thing. You know what I mean? So you're constantly thinking about how to recover and stuff like that. You're not thinking about, like, how many people, because, yeah, we have some shit. But uh, there was only one one incident that, no, two, two significant incidents. There was one where uh, we, were, we were supposed to go back, and then all of a sudden, uh, they got a uh, a hit like a possible V bed, and our, the captain wanted to go check it out. So I'm like, but we're already out here for twelve hours, but he wants to go check it out. So we're like, let's go get blown up. So we're all looking for this V bed. Is a vehicle with, that they pack full of explosives. So mm-hmm. the vehicle and the explosives all blow up. It's the yeah. It's a big. It's a big one. So the vehicle acts like shrapnel. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. yeah. So we're driving, and it's like four four vehicles like that, and I'm out of I'm out of the uh, rear, pulling rear security, uh, in one of the vehicles, and the first thing I, <laughs> I'm there, I'm pulling security, and then all of a sudden I just hear, boom, and then all I remember was laying, like I was I was laying on the and because it blew me out of the hatch, but I was laying on my back inside the vehicle, and I could. And I'm feeling wet down my legs. You know what I mean? Like, I'm feeling something like, oh, shit, no, no. Oh, it was cooler. Okay, cool. But 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 the other guys, like, you know how when you have that, like, you can hear, see his lips moving, but you don't hear the voice because your ears, like, I'm, he's like, you all right? Because it's now coming to you. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then they said that uh, the first sergeant's vehicle is the one that got, that got took the impact because his engine, their engine, fucking was on a roof somewhere. That's how they got how bad they got hit. But um, there was only there was about four because it was a medevac. It was med. It was the actual meds. The first sergeant and a gunner and a driver. 
and we didn't really have any infantry with us because we were with the like the commander it was the brass basically so their whole vehicle was was catastrophic and we were taking we were getting they after they blew up that vehicle we started taking they ambushed us after that then we started taking small arms and shit and this and so well we're like, we gotta go get them and it's just me and the uh, uh, the the tank commander of that vehicle, the striker commander, and it was just me and him. Like, Shit, we gotta go get him. Drop the ramp. So right when we drop the ramp, <laughs> um, I'm I'm coming out, and all I remember was right when I looked right, I just see a dude pop out of the corner of the of the of the like the corner of a of a house, and all I see is. But I just see the, the, cause he had an RPG. Mm-hmm. And basically I just seen the, all I saw was the smoke like come out of the back. And I was like, oh, like I was done. Like shit. And that's all I remember saying was, oh shit, got me. But it ended up going over my head, over into the house above me. I don't know how, cause they don't have uh it's not wire guided. I mean, they're pretty accurate once you shoot it. Mm-hmm. They're pretty dead on, but it would just it it just veered off over my head, and I remember that because it was like got the drop on me, like that was me, that was done. Cause I seen I looked at him, he looked at me, and it was like just like a, almost like a video game. Cause you just see him pop out of the corner, and all you and all I saw was smoke, and I was like, oh shit. So that was death in the eyes, I guess, mm-hmm. as far as the thing I always remember. Cause I there was nothing I was gonna know. My last words were, "Shit, got me." But um, but then we met back the uh, the wounded out and shit like that. While we we're still getting shot, at. I got a award for that. I got a medal for that. With it was uh, V device Valor. Uh huh. Because we, it was just me and him, and we we're taking that heavy fire and all that shit. But it was the first sergeant that we actually rescued. And brought we took back to to the thing, but um, but yeah, that was that was probably one of the the memorable ones because of the B bed with the impact and then the small arms and the RPG. But as far as that's what we did, you know what I mean? It wasn't something I thought about like, damn, you go out there. Mm-hmm. Or it was already like we gotta go get them. You know what I mean? They're... Yeah, let's go to work, right? Yeah. So you don't think about there's no thought process when you you do what you're trained to do, but at the same time you're it's something that is in you. Like if people are hurt, you're gonna go help them. They're with you. You know what I mean? So it's just that's why I said it's always been a mentality of mine. It's like it, it and I'm not before it used to be like. You don't think about it like that. You're not a like a protector. No, I'm a defender. I'm shit. Don't fuck with me. But no, you're a protector, bro. Like know your role. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and it's hard to protect because it's like even when you're when I was in high school, it was like you're trying to warn your friends like, hey, this isn't good. Or hey, some this ain't right. Something's gonna happen. All right, let's do it. That's what I mean by I go back to like. I'll tell you what's going to happen because I already know what's going to happen. I can see it. But if this is what you want to do, let's do it. That's my mentality. And 
because I'm willing to to go through it to prove to you what I was what I was trying to show you or tell you like what it was you know what I mean mm-hmm. but I'm still gonna be right here and go through the dumb shit with that's what I'm doing now because it's like yeah I can I have all the resources I can have all the information but if my parents don't want it my brother don't want to hear it well guess what I'm not gonna use it either mm-hmm. because I'm here with them and if they and if they want to suffer I'm gonna suffer with them even though I know better even though I know I should be doing certain things or eating a certain way or like all that information but I can't force them to see it I can't force them to do it so I'm not gonna do it without them I'm, what I'm gonna live longer or I'm gonna outlast no it's not why I'm here you know what I mean same with friends I can only warn you tell you protect yourself I don't want to see people hurt or not be have a not not to be aware, you know what I mean. Just to just to be aware and and a conscience of yeah, there's bad shit that happens every day. And after your second deployment, did any friends sign go back? Everybody, again? yeah. My but whole... this time you said no, I'm not going back. Oh no 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 no, we all got out at the same time after but, the second tour. And then nobody reenlisted. No, we all went. We all went private security after that. And is that a big reason why you did private security? Because again, your friends. No, we're, we're going. No, it was just at that point I felt like that's what I was doing. Like it turned into fighting for my country, going back for my boys. Now I'm in it for the money. That's when it changed the mentality of I'm just going to get a paycheck. And private security, you're working for some big security corporation yeah. that hires triple canopy, and that's like the military complex type deal. That's that's like the dark money, basically. They keep you in war so they get rich. And they pay us to basically be mercenaries type shit. Mm-hmm. No rules, no regulations, no nothing. You can do a lot of the things that the standard militaries yeah. not allowed to and do. We have, and we have access. We're considered, like I said, um, our status was a G13, which is the same status as a, as a major. So I'm, I have the rank of a major as a civilian. But in the military, you were just a sergeant. Right. You, you didn't even have that clearance right. in the military, but you go private. Then and, I'm then I'm out rank captains and colonels and shit like that. And the longer that they make this war go on and on, the more and more money. The more money they make. They're making. Cause think about it, I was making uh, I was making about a thousand dollars a day, about ten thousand dollars a month, and that was they were cutting. But in the beginning, it was a thousand dollars a day, and then I think it's changed to like five hundred, three fifty a day. Mine was like three fifty, four fifty a day, and it kept getting cut as, as the contracts were getting expensive. But I mean, I was making ten thousand a month, tax free, for just being uh, uh not even like a upper rank, like yeah. I, like I wasn't in the top top um top execs. Like they made, they were making five thousand dollars a day, just ridiculous money. And private security, you're protecting. Who exactly? You're protecting, like, uh, like uh, prime ministers, like uh, sheiks, like the top uh, government mm-hmm. for Iraqi, like an important, let's say, an ambassador, or like a a contractor from um, like the United States or Britain or whatever, and he's coming. He needs to be escorted from the airport to the to the green zone. And so, who's paying that bill? 
if we're protecting been, them, are they paying the bill or? No, no, no. Uh, we're generating that our own money. Like that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a, it's it's a scam. So the taxpayers are because paying. everybody, all the big contracts for the private contractors, those are all ran by ex CIA, ex military, retired majors. They're that those are the ones running these these private securities so they're getting contracts from the military because they have inside with the military so they're getting paid by the government by taxpayers that's where the money's coming from we're paying them to do to be mercenaries basically and and less responsibility less accountability for our government and for our military when you have contractors freelancing it Mm -hmm. and it's big money and that's what I didn't want to do. I, How long did you end up doing it for? Three years. So military... Because it was six months on, uh, four months off. So it went faster. Uh-huh. But you're only there for six months. Uh, my first time I was there, I was there for like fucking another year. Almost. Like I, I stayed there a lot. They extended me. And and how long was your military career when all said? Six and a half. Six and a half years? And then you went private security for another three years. Three years, and so it's almost ten years of your life right there. Ten years, brother, and it, and like I said, man, it. Uh, I'm glad I did it, because I, I think that uh, knowledge is power, and I wouldn't have this knowledge if I didn't do it. Because when, I, when did you start researching more and more, and start getting this, this feeling that when I they you were lied to. Because I've seen that when you, it's almost like a same thing, probably um, people that get out of prison, you get disconnected from rea- like mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. So when you get, when you come in, you're an outsider looking in and when shit don't look right or it doesn't look, it looks way different than you remember it. Like you weren't even gone that long or why are things so like nothing makes sense like everything's just out of place and um but i've already felt that way i think a lot of soldiers go through that because when you go over there you have a certain mentality and a certain intent and a certain belief that you're and things that you're standing on for why you went in the first place but after you get there and after you experience that time over there then you that's when you start seeing holes and discrepancies and things don't make sense over there and it's not adding up but it doesn't happen like i said you're everything's crammed in so you don't have time to process that things are just happening and you don't it don't make sense your buddies are still getting killed you're still getting attacked even though you don't even know why you're there anymore what are we doing here (laughs) what are we really accomplishing what's going on but um and that's what and and they and see now i know why but I wanted to know for myself because it was one of those things where uh, I was in, I was, I, I came, you, everything that I've done in life was never to do something, was to, to disgrace or do something, to be wrong. You know what I mean? I try to do everything the best I could and do it right. And when you get to the end, everything should make sense and be right. Well, how come everything's wrong? And nothing makes sense. And why am I the one standing there with the bag? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how, what, why am I this guy now? How did I get to here? How come it's so bad? How come I feel so bad? When I don't understand, nothing makes sense. 
And but when you're drinking and doing drugs to to medicate that or to compensate for your lack of understanding or lack of knowledge because you don't understand things and and things don't make sense but it kind of hurts because you're getting in in uh things you're starting to reflect on uh, sporadically you know what i mean like certain events or certain things are starting to come to your mind and starting puts you in a certain way you don't want to feel that way so you medicate so when you get back now you're in back to you're back to the to, to our world you feel invincible yeah. they couldn't kill you so what am I gonna what what's gonna kill me out here what am I afraid of what, what I'm on borrowed time now I should have been dead over there quite a few times but, so so what is it that's what the mentality was there is no you feel invincible you feel like I don't give a fuck I mean do you have an adrenaline a natural adrenaline that you're chasing now it's almost like you need to get a fast bike or you need to or you need to just jump out of a plane because you you come from an, just like probably people that come out of prison when you are your adrenaline and you're and you're constantly alert you can't do that for a long period of time it's an adrenaline rush and when you and, and, and I know in combat that's every day that's not okay I have to feel this way for a certain time no you're that way that's 24/7 and when that just gets taken away now you're just sitting there going okay but life sucks like nothing nothing exact like you know what I mean yeah, like boring because you're not because when you're getting shot at and your life's on the line and it's about life or death that that's what beats the, what, what's higher than that also is having a mission a big part of it like you had a mission no, each day no it was just and, and it's not something that you look for, like you expect or wanted it was just like when your life is constant when you're constantly in a life or death situation like you're there's no way out of it like you're there's no avoiding it you that's just every day is life or death you're not looking for it you just get accustomed to it it just becomes that like that's just when you come home you don't have to be like that all the time you shouldn't be like that all the time with everybody around you you know yeah. what i mean like you shouldn't wake up feeling like you got to check this and check that and now instead of life or death decisions you're thinking of oh what am I gonna eat for dinner tonight or right you know? you know what I mean but you but you have but you're and then what do you what purpose do you serve yeah you know what I mean you just served you just did something that was a like bigger than you and bigger than life like you, you're a part of something that was bigger than yourself and when that's when you're you know what purpose do you serve now. When your guns, when you have no gun, you have no purpose. You have no, you're not leading nobody. You know what I mean. Nobody's relying on you for survival. And how quick did those feelings turn into, you know, coke and alcohol and other drugs? For me, like I said, it was one of those like I thought I would. I didn't have church. I didn't have God. I didn't. It's not that I never believed in them. I never denounced them. I never mocked them or anything. I just didn't. Um, acknowledge them like I just uh, to me it was like I don't I don't know you but I'm not gonna so I'm not gonna say shit but I'm not gonna call on you and I'm not gonna beg for you if in time of need because I don't not um so I 
I don't know, my mom, like I said, it's the raising of my mom and my dad mixture, but I had the mentality of not giving a fuck, not caring. I'm going to party and I'm going to live life till like, what does it matter? Mm. We can be gone tomorrow. Life ends that quick. Seen it. You know what I mean? It's like... And did you, you, did you go hard right into that or was it kind of gradually when you, when you got back? It was uh, gradually because it was like you go to a bar, you start drinking, and you, like I said, you're you're missing that adrenaline rush. And I've never done drugs in my life. I never smoked weed. I was anti-drug my whole life. Like, I didn't even smoke until I got in the army and I was 24. But I didn't do drugs. Never even tried it. Um, I didn't like weed. But for some reason, I was drinking, tried it. And oh shit. Oh shit, that's what I was missing. <laughs> it put it put me in that state of mind, like what you're missing. And that's what I think a lot of soldiers go through. They it's that adrenaline. That's why they buy fast bikes and crash them and you know what I mean? Yeah. They need that speed. And you don't realize it, you just think you're going with whatever in your in my mind it's blank. None of it's processing. All that shit is jammed up and I'm just Riding the the tide, I guess. It's like, what else do I do? What else, what do you want from me? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the mentality. And, and yeah, it turns into, okay, you're partying, you're, you're invincible, whatever, whatever. But now you're just, it becomes a crutch. Now the party's long over now, and you're still up by yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, but I mean, to that point, you still haven't processed what you went through, you still haven't reflected and gone and made sense of the shit that actually happened and, and the shit that you you were involved in. Still. Yeah, day in, day because out. Because you're yeah. still medicate, you're still numbing, and you're still, you don't realize that. Because you're just doing it to just go to sleep. Or you're just doing it to think. Because, like I said, when you have all that shit stored up and crammed up in your brain, you're not thinking. And you don't have time to, you can't really, um, you can't really sit there and, uh, analyze and shit like that. You're not doing that. You know what I mean? It's like, nothing's wrong with me. Um, but then you start, well, coke lets you drink more. And I want to keep drinking. You know what I mean? So it just becomes like a cigarette. I don't smoke cigarettes unless I drink. It started off, I started smoking while I was drinking that was the only time well and started smoking all the time and I, I'm pretty sure we, most of us have that addictive first like we grow up with that addictive gene personality or whatever I don't believe that but I just do it no but um but yeah that's the first drug I tried first drug that woke me up and brought me back to the what I thought I was what I wanted to be mm-hmm and then that was just a no go. But then then I'm now there was issues going on with my being back home, going through marriages. Because don't forget, I was I was in these great marriages that nah. But I was so I was dealing with a marriage, a falling, a failing marriage, a mis, uh, a disconnect from mom and dad, and the the grudge, like the still the animosity with my brother. Of the fact that I'm home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, now I'm taking your space again. I'm taking space. So I'm dealing with all three of those. You know what I mean? But I'm not really because I'm 
Medicaid? And not giving a fuck. I don't care what you guys say or think. What do I care? Actually, I don't even know if I do care. I don't. When people say they... And that's the whole thing, too, is... A lot of people, first thing they say is, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Do whatever you want. They probably don't mean it. I did, as far as I knew I did. I really, But the problem was, I wanted to. I didn't like that. I didn't like the fact that I knew I, I didn't even know if I could. That's the weird part. When you're playing, when you're, when you're trying to figure things out, but the love I have for my family and the, and the closeness I have, like, like I said, I grew up a mama's boy, and I was very close and respected my dad. So everything I, my thought process comes from him. So it was like, that that it sucked because it felt like I'm staring at my mom between a glass wall and it's like I'm right here but you you can't hear me or you don't understand what I'm saying and then they're not you know what I mean like you can't communicate on that level anymore because that distance that that separation of years being I'm in war and you're worried about me being in war and I never considered that how you and dad are what you guys are going through every night that I was over there it was about me you know what I mean? And so, it, um, so I just kept going and I didn't care what people, because uh, I really didn't care what anybody thought anyways. I didn't, I mean, I don't owe anybody anything. I don't, I don't, I ain't doing it to you. I'm doing it to myself and my head, you know? And, um, I was on a one, I just, I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to like end it. But I wasn't trying to slow down either, type thing. You know what I mean? To see how far my body can go. I'm, I'm always. It was just something that, like I said, it was something that I, I didn't understand. I was in a place. I, I found myself in a, in a very. Uh. Like a very empty spot in life because I'm faced with with I'm faced with my own demons. I'm looking at my own demons and I'm and I'm having this. Am I gonna face them? Am I gonna deal with them? Or am I gonna just keep? And what was it and when did you start turning that around? Uh, it was, it's because I wanted to the whole time. Like I said, it was one of those things where I, I knew I didn't care, I didn't have emotions, but I didn't like that, I didn't want that. I Like I said, a lot of people try to try to uh, become that. I didn't want to become that. That's something that I thought I had to do to go over there and be in, in the state of mind of what I was, whatever I thought, you don't mm -hmm. think. But I shut off all those emotions because I knew what it would, because I was close to my family. But I couldn't turn it back on. I had nobody said. So told you turned it off because you were going to war, but. But nobody talked, they don't tell you how to turn it, you, you can't turn it on. Um, when you get back. Right. And so it was like the disconnect. I didn't know how to like re like communicate with my mom and dad. You know what I mean? I wasn't close to my pops no more. I was best friend. Um, blamed it on my brother. But it was kind of like, okay, now I'm doing all this shit by myself. They're leaving me alone because nobody's going to say shit to me. So now I'm just back here just partying. <laughs> And I'm realizing, oh shit, no one's gonna stop me. Now, what are you gonna do? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? You can do this till you. I mean, something's gonna happen, but it was one of those things, man. You go through life, and you you're never gonna have it figured out. You're always gonna, but you gotta be honest, and you gotta face those demons. We all have them. You gotta be willing to accept accept truth. And the thing is, is I've always considered myself to be an honest person to myself, at least, and confronting I never walked or never try to hide or 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 try to shy away from my problems. I've always accepted my faults and my taking accountability for whatever the hell I've done in life. Why won't I do it now? You know what I mean? Like why and I think it's Like I said, it's harder to live than to die. Anybody can die. Everybody's gonna die. That's you're not pretty, you're not showing nobody nothing. I mean, that's not impressive. Mm-hmm. Me saying fuck death. You know what I mean? Like that was the whole other thing was conquering that one last fear. Like I, I'm not afraid of dying. But then I'm like, okay, now what? Try to live. You know what I mean? And I found it because it goes back to being a. Being somebody who always felt like he, I was a, like I defended, I protected. That's just my make as far as I defended my friends, I protected girlfriends from other dudes. You know what I mean? Like it was always intervening, football, always protecting, defending. Um, when I didn't, when you get to a certain point, you're just like, who are you protecting and serving? Nobody. So what's your purpose? You know what I mean? You had your chance to die like a hero. You could have died over there honorably on the battlefield, but you didn't. So you're like, now what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, what more do you have to do? When there's, at the time, it was like, so everything's going to shit. I mean, we've got people, people are going crazy right now. <laughs> I mean, you, you see the world like spinning and you don't even know which way it's, it's spinning. So you're just letting it spin. I'm just not involving myself with it. I'm just not going to participate in that shit. And I didn't. You know what I mean? Because like I said, if I'm taking... I felt like if I'm going down, I'm taking myself down. I'm not taking nobody else with me. Like, I'm not I'm not somebody who ever... I never borrowed. I never stole. And I don't owe nobody nothing in this life. Never, I kept a clean slate. So, why? I, that's how I want to keep it. For the rest of my life, if I can, you know what I mean. Nice. Like, it's it, and that's and that's the the thing. It's easy to be honest when you know you can look at somebody and say, "I never stole from you, I never fucked you over, I never did anything to you." You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people can't do that. They they can pretend, but. So would you say the big switch was you? Deci- oh. You decided you wanted you weren't living and you wanted to live. I decided to to give it a. a let me t- don't give up. You know what I mean. You you never want to just give up on yourself. As far as like to think to think there is no answer to think that there. See, I'm not somebody who's willing to give up. I, there's an answer to everything. You just gotta find it. I mean, the and and I don't have the answers to everything. I'm just looking for the answers that I need for. My my for my um, perception of my life, my world, and everybody else 
has to find their own. I can't, I'm not going to tell you what you need to see and what you need to know. And, but, but there is answers everywhere. There, there's, and they're always in front of you. You're just not looking in front of you. You're always looking over here, over here. People are always wanting, like, that's what I'm saying. People are, want to so bad, like, clean the slate. Okay, I want to be a better person, so I'm going to be this person. No. Improve that person. But you can't just erase what you did. You got to account for that. You got to own up to that. But what did that process look like for you? How did you start going about it was, mending the relationships and... And like what we were talking about is you unpacking all that's, the shit that you were had gone through. And that's what I had to do. I did a full on, and it's actually I found it later was like the people. There's it's an actual like a uh, process that people do professionally, but it was but I was doing it just out of a whim because my family was worth it. My family, my friends are worth it, and I'm not a quitter. Never have been. Nothing, and so I'm not quitting. And uh, I just had to find a fight, something worth fighting for. I had to find a new fight, and actually, it's a big one. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big one. But, but see, that's what woke me up, though, was because I could see what they were doing to the people I care about and love. I, could, I actually understood the battlefield. Like, I could see the chessboard, and I'm no, and I understood it. And I'm like, oh, shit, they're doing this. They're doing so now I'm trying to help my niece, my nephew, my my mom, my dad, because I'd rather you know the truth than live a lie, than just die a lie, believing something that it wasn't, you know what I mean? And when you're talking about the truth and stuff, you're talking about some of the, a lot of the things you were educated on, like when you're talking well, about... Well, yeah, like it wasn't your fault that, a lot of it wasn't your fault, mom, because my parents... Like most, probably most parents blame themselves for the, the way their kids turn out, but it's not your fault. You did everything you could. You were the best parents I could ever, I, anybody could have had. You, and that's what I want them to understand. Like, see, that's, that's the only thing that I want to come across to them is, no, you're not to blame. You didn't, you shouldn't feel like uh, you could have did something different or better. It's the way it was set up. You, I mean. You didn't have a choice. A lot of parents don't realize that. It's like this whole, uh, it was designed and, and it was, they wanted to break up the family. They, there, it was a program and it was designed for the family to break up in a certain, at a certain time. Like when they did, um, it was when they did a uh, woman's right to vote, woman's right to go out and work before it was just. Woman stayed at home, nurtured the kids, watched the kids, dad went to work. Well, guess what? It was only one tax for the family. So when, the, when they actually started that movement, which was funded and, and a bunch of, like what they're doing now. But to fight for these rights that women had the whole time, but you guys want to fight for it. Okay. So they thought they were being liberated and they were allowed to go into the workforce and make more money. Well, guess what? Now you guys are being taxed twice. And not only are you going to be taxed twice, we're going to, we're going to um, raise the interest rates. We're going to raise the taxes. So you guys have to work longer. So while you are working and separated from your husband and working at these jobs for hours on end, guess who has your kid for majority of the time? The state. 
the school, the programs, the engineering, the conditioning. So now when you have the, the family come back, you have mom and dad not seeing eye to eye because of the separation. They're not yeah, and the stress. And I wanted you to explain that because I want people to know what your new battle is. It's, and, it's, yeah. it's, and, and, but, but, and it's, it's, it's extended um, where and now it's Correct. there's so many different. Correct. Um, That's just a small window of what, but really what you're trying to get across is to question, to question everything around, to not just take the information that's kind of put in your face, like dig for information yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And and start. It all starts with self. It all starts with the truth. Ends and begins with you, with yourself. Nobody else. Is going to tell you the truth about your truth. You know what I mean? You see what you see. You know what you know. And, but if you, if you assume and, and think that you already know everything, then you, you're going to be stuck with the, with those lies because you don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. But if you don't, aren't willing to be a student of, of life and you think you're the teacher, the master, the, the grand wizard, well, when you know, when you think, you, okay, let's say you know everything. So what's the point of living if you know everything and you did everything in your head already? It's like, no, be a student. Be willing to learn. Open your eyes. Do your, um, live life. But, but, go, but, but you need to, the thing that I would take away is, it starts, the, you have to care about, something bigger than yourself like it whether you have kids or not that's what they're targeting that's what where it's always started is brainwashing the future is destroying is corrupting the future so if you don't take initiative and and pay attention to your kids and actually love your kids because instead of assuming they know they love you because everybody says well, i had to work i had to do all this i had to do this i had to do that we wouldn't have this well, you have this and we have all that, but why is your kid a drug addict? Why is your kid running away from home? Why are they getting pregnant? And like, and like we were talking about, you were going hard for a long time, whether it's coke, alcohol, smoking. Yeah. Now that your now that your mind is has a mission, you're you're there. You want to be there for your family, your your mom, dad, brother, nieces and nephews. Are what what is your your dependency on drugs or alcohol look like now? I haven't like, drinking. In seven years, and I was now, and I started drinking when I was seven. Cause everything my brother did, I did three years younger. And so having that has allowed you to kick those bad habits. Um, I I have had a beer from time to time, but no, I don't believe I have. I don't believe they're bad habits. I believe um, cause. I don't, fish can be a bad habit. Mm-hmm. Meat can be a bad habit if you have too much of it. I got and, you. And it's one of those things where I've never, uh, I'm I'm not one to, what is it? I never put myself above or assume that I'm, I'm not the, the person, uh, the I'm not you and you're not me. Like as far as. I'm capable of okay, yeah. Today I'm sober. Tomorrow I might not be. Uh, I but, agree. But but I, I but I don't put my I don't set my expectations, um, 
above sea level because we are. It's not that, but the thing is, I don't want to. Yeah. And and, and that, but, so let me reframe that question. In re- what I meant to say is habits that you didn't want to be doing anymore. It's helped you get away from those. Uh, like I would say I would say yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's one of those things where if I my home my, my whole mentality was I'm I'm gonna do what I want to do, and if I do it, it's because I wanted to do it, and if something happens, I'm accounted for it. That's I think that's the only thing like that's yeah my family's worth more my love for my family the the is worth being sober at the same time it wasn't it's not something that I saw everything I saw reality as I was drunk and high if anything so it was the thing is is like uh we we are we are all what do i say thou shalt not kill right but you will if you have to um and if somebody hurts your family you're going to go hurt them whether it's morally right or lawfully doesn't matter my mindset's already so i already know i would go against the law or i would do something wrong for my moral judge, my own moral judgment. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like uh, drugs, alcohol is not is not um, is not the um, drugs and alcohol are a distraction, but so is work. So is focusing on uh, on things that aren't important, like making money that is just paper and can be gone tomorrow. Or getting a new car, or arguing with wife over shit that doesn't even really—is it life and death? I mean, can we get over this? But but those are more to me of a distraction. Like when your kid, when you're giving your kid twenty twenty one immune shots, and and assuming that that's not autism is every four kids are getting autism, but that's not the immune shots. You don't want to look into that yourself. Are your kids being dumbed down if you're sending them to a public school? That's bad for your health. Because what's the point in living if you're not going to live for the person you care about? If you're not going to, you're, and then to me it's like, okay, you have a job and you say you got to put food on the table. Well, you know what? If that's, if that's the sac, if that's the sacrifice, or the, then to actually. Be how I say you you'll send your kid to not you but I'm saying just for instance you'll let your kid go to a public school knowing that they're brainwashing and they're dumbing them down but you're you you're gonna do what you have to do and send them to that public school while you have to go work but my kid knows I love them they should know that's where my mentality changes that's where it's it, it's it's always been that way, but I, I it was told to me a long time ago. Um, so why did you sign up? Why did you go to? Uh, why did you decide to go to Iraq to, to defend my country, to protect my family? How are you gonna protect them way over there? At first, I was offended. At first, I was complex. I was like, "Fucking mean by that?" And I said, "Oh shit! How can I protect my family when I'm over there?" Something happens over here, they're not gonna let me come home. Now they're vulnerable. Now they're I can't do nothing for them. 
and that's that was a that was like a very simple, subtle um, observation that changed my like got me. Whoa! So how could you do something for your family if you if you're over here? How could you love your family, if or show them love or give them love if you're putting all your focus and attention on things that don't really matter, but you think they do because it's what you want to do. Not the individual wants to do. Not You see what I'm saying? It's like... Yeah, like we're, we're getting so preoccupied in doing things that we feel provide and show love to our family, but we're not doing the physical, actual participation with being with our family. And that's all. And, and that's my them. message. Yeah. That's that more participation, more accountability is... I mean, if you say something, to me, anything I say was backed by my actions. That's how I thought the process went growing up. You back up what you say or you do what you say you're going to do. That's no longer the case. That needs to come. That needs to. But it kind of starts with the, the parents, the adults, accountability, consistency. But. That's why I said it's it's hard because it's like yes you're a good parent and and you and they are good like they do love their kids but you're sitting there going but you you're doing all this work and worried about all this other stuff and your kid is sitting in the in the room half the day playing video games you don't know who your kid is you don't know what drug he's on you don't know who's his friends and you and that disconnection happens um, by my ninth grade you don't know your kid. Like, thought you did, but I didn't have no idea you liked that. Or I had no idea when did you start not liking that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They go through a transition phase where they're not creative anymore. Or they separate themselves from society and think they're alone. Parents aren't picking up on that. But that's because you're focused on on taking the least path of resistance. Well, to me, if you say... that's I'm just... Everything that I've I've ever done and lived by, I'm still doing it today. I've always done it, whether it was, uh, and that's basically just be there when they expect you to be there. Show up and and be there for the right people because we're there. Because the one thing was being a protector and a and, and always wanting to be there to defend. That's for everybody. Like, how many people are you going to do that for? You know what I'm saying? You spread yourself out. You wear yourself out. I'm not going to protect nobody. Exactly. And you're not even there for the ones that you care about. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't there. You know what I mean? I couldn't be there because I'm too busy thinking I'm doing it for them over there. Now that you're back and you've been able to put your focus and energy, have you been able to mend most or all of all the... Of it. Even with your brother? My brother's a bet. Like I said in the post, not lying. It was... We've had the best relationship than we've ever had in our whole life like but it took a lot of patience a lot of understanding from because if i understand something i can't blame you for it like basically if i know the problem and what happened like i understand let's say let's say i understand this conspiracy shit and i know what what's going on i can't now blame you or hold you accountable for something that you don't you're unaware you're unaware of it that's why i was able to forgive you because a lot of things that we thought that were natural and we were growing up on this certain perception. No, these perceptions were already programmed for us to to see. And we're only going to go, it was only going to end up the same place, dead end, nowhere. 
overworked, worn out, beat, can't be there for your family because you're tired and exhausted. And you say, damn, if I could take anything back, it would spend more time with my family or be there for my kids more. I wish I could have been. Those are the regrets of 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 going along with the system and going and I wouldn't and I'd have no problem going along with laws, rules, regulations if everybody agrees upon it. If you're not trying to sneak that shit and trying to take take shit away. But I'm but to me, defend, protect. I don't care who it is. And if I don't care what if 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 I feel it's right for my family and for what I believe in, which is uh, leave me alone, love. <laughs> let me love my family. Let my family love me. Pursue the happiness. Let me be happy in my own little world. But no, you guys are taking that away. Because look at what you guys are subjecting my niece and nephew to at school. Look what you guys are trying to teach all these other kids. And and to me, <laughs> we could talk about all. I mean, we can bring up all kinds of problems, but guess what? It, none of it matters because how many children are being trafficked and killed and raped and and being tortured for for sacrifices and all these pedophilia rings? We turned our back on the kids, gener- like as a as a country. Whether you have kids or not, or you have your own kids to worry about, no, that's not how it works. That's and, and and I think people lost like don't have that because uh, you can't say oh yeah I care about just my kids what you should care about all kids bro like any kid that's being that's the weak the the helpless you know what I mean like we turn we have and that's why I said if you don't think you're asleep or not you but just in general it's like you know how many kids get trafficked a year or get kidnapped a year come up missing come up dead. How many are uh, CPS lost 400 of them last year? CPS custody taking kids from parents and lost them nowhere to be found. 400, nobody saying anything. But what do we care about? Because I want to care about the same things, but none of it's going to matter when (laughs) whether you believe in God or not. Not you, but hey, we're fucking up when it comes to. What, the one thing that supposedly he supposed to he cares about the most is God's children. But we're but what are we protecting? What are we defending? What are we living for? You know what I'm saying? And that's why that's why I tell people you don't have to go my path. There's a million paths to take. Like, see, I, I, uh, with my brother, it's like no, I don't expect you to. I'm not gonna start a revolution and follow me. But your kids are in school, right? Maybe you should. See what they are learning. Maybe you should focus. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to go and pick battles and fights because they're all around us. They're right in front of us. You just have to be willing to step up when it when it comes. You're not gonna know. We're not gonna be able to avoid conflict or, or whatever shit that you think you're hoping that doesn't come your way is gonna come your way sooner or later. Because the problem is that everybody's trying to say, well, as long as it ain't me. But when all those people are Disappear and they're gone. It's coming for you. Guess what? <laughs> You're gonna be like, help. Where's everybody at? But yeah, man, it's just it's just take accountability, and and it is and it is that simple, and it is 
do what you don't say something but not actually practice it like if you love something why would you let it go why would you let it go be dumb why, why would you let it get 21 immune shots before it's it's even a, like a one year old you're letting them stick a bunch of shit whether you want to believe this like the doctors or not I don't care what you say 21 shots in a baby that doesn't even have an immune system this can't be good and just do the study, just do the research before you let that happen. That's where your fight is. Not go pick a fight, but when they when they're telling you if you homeschool your kid, we're gonna put you in jail. What the hell? That where's the freedom? Where are my these are my kids? Or why are you teaching them sex ed? Why are you teaching them about something that maybe I don't believe in is right? But you're gonna teach them that like. But you can't even do that because you'll get kicked out or you don't have no say for what they learn. Why is that? Are you fighting for your kids? And that's what I said. I'm willing to. and But it's I'm not willing to fight over Trump and fighting over like a wall and shit that don't matter. Well, I appreciate you, Gil. I appreciate everything you've said for you coming here and opening up. and Absolutely, man. It was fun. Sharing your mind. And uh, I... I know we can't capture everything. In, no, no, in no, this, no, this, no. You know, I just, hours. I just appreciate the the time you allotted, brother. And I mean, it was it's pretty good. Thank you, man. Yeah, it was, uh, thank you. If you would like to know more about Solid Foundations, you can message us on Instagram at Solid Foundations underscore SB. If you would like to help support what we are doing, you can refer potential customers to our business sponsors. Contact at Charmed by Crystal on Instagram for all your hair and beauty needs. Do you know someone who wants to buy or sell a home? Have them contact Lorena Regalado at 805-403-1270. And of course, for all things office furniture, please contact Legacy Installation. More details about Legacy will follow on the closing segment. If you found value in what you heard in this episode, please share it with others and remember to subscribe so you can stay up to date with all future episodes. You can also help us provide job opportunities to teens by recommending legacy installation to all companies you know of that have needs for anything office furniture. Tell them to contact us through our website www.legacyinstallation.com or call us at 805-319-3274. Legacy is a school of work ethic for teens that uses office furniture installation as teaching material. So the more work we have, the more we can teach teens a solid work ethic while they earn a living.